Are you guys ready to record this whole thing all over again? <laughs> I didn't care for it. I didn't buy it. That, that seems pretty ridiculous. I don't even want to think about the possibility of you having your dick out. Yikes. This is the most important thing in the universe. What happened to it? I, I, I don't know. I needed to suck in absolutely every moment of awesomeness. Yeah. Welcome to the Geek Legacy Podcast, where we talk about everything in the world of entertainment news. As long as it's mostly Star Wars, maybe some Marvel stuff and and other geeky nonsense, but it's always a blast. I'm Justin Kavner. With me, as always, Mr. Randy Van Dyke. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm overwhelmed. Yes, that's a good word for it. Overwhelmed. Mm. Also with us is, of course, Mr. David Edmondson. How are you doing this week? I'm fantastic, and I had a story and a diatribe and a joke, but... Uh, then I remembered that we have not talked about the Ahsoka episode of The Mandalorian, where uh, that name-dropping son of a bitch, she dropped Grand Admiral Thrawn's name. And I can't wait to talk about it later on the show, so I don't want to waste any more of your time. So, Justin, how the hell are you today? I'm fabulous. <laughs> uh, apologies for not having a show last week. I was actually in the ER right about the time we would normally hit the record button on this podcast, and it uh, didn't work out. So, uh, on the plus side, I'm all better. Tip-top, 100%. Thank you so much. Uh, for all the love and support that uh, came from the other half of this podcast. I love you guys very much. You are the best. Let's just say there are more of us than not that now shoot bullets. <laughs> yeah. AKA, AKA the stones. Yeah, big ones. Like the kind that you get at a candy shop when you go to and you got the jawbreaker that's like the size of your fist. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter if it's two millimeters or... 10 meters, it, it's all the same at that point. <laughs> it, it, might, it might matter a little bit. No, it's all the same. <laughs> Don't, well, everyone, go ahead. I was just going to say, I believe in karma, so I will not be uh, I will not bemoan or belittle the painful experience that the two of you have gone through. So sure. you get nothing but sympathy. I appreciate that. It ended up paying off for me because I lost a lot of weight, and I'll take it any way I can. Yeah. Some of my biggest weight losses have come from organ failure, <laughs> and other ailments. <laughs> so if I can walk away from it weighing a little bit less, I'm okay with it. And you're able to kick the monster. Yes, 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 yes. It is uh, nine days sober on the on the monsters. I'm excited. Oh, wow, you buried the lead there. Holy crap, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I still have like four in my refrigerator that are just there so uh -oh. you gotta pour uh, them in the toilet like a yeah <laughs> i know i don't even want to give them away because i'm afraid of what the, the harm they will do to someone else's body <laughs> but uh you gotta flush it right man but when you open it and you smell that like that raw fume i don't know i don't maybe somebody else has to destroy it i don't want to be swayed <laughs> i don't know man this stuff always smelled like cotton candy to me oh really that's yeah, awesome I don't know if that was just a specific flavor of it or what. <laughs> it looked blue and it had this cotton candy kind of smell. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I think this is like just pure, like liquefied sugar into my veins. Oh, man. In my, head, there's, in my head, there's sirens outside. You're not home. And Alex has to like flush it. Yeah. That's probably a good idea. You're <laughs> getting ready to break down the door and you don't want to get out of it. Because yeah. third strike, I can't go back. I'm not going back. Not yeah, people have been trying to get me to kick the habit for a long time. Uh, specifically, uh, Stephen Jaynes from Pixelate Podcast. He is not a fan of the Monster Energy drinks, and so I'm doing this for for him, not even for me. For 
<laughs> That's because he's in a family of uh, whose vested interest is in coffee. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, geez. But that's neither here nor there. So today was the remarkable Disney uh, shareholders event where they revealed all sorts of fun projects that they are very excited to reveal to the world to let them know that the mouse is going to be okay. I think that the future is bright, so bright that they have to wear shades and um, maybe even get a bigger bank because a lot of money is going to be coming their way. Uh, because of all the amazing content that we have to look forward to. And uh, I think that we should just not waste too much more time and just get right on into it. And uh, we're just going to go in this random order. And uh, we'll start with Star Wars Andor, which is a Rogue One prequel that's actually going to take place five years before the events of Rogue One. And uh, we're going to explore Cassian's role in the growing Rebel Alliance. And what's exciting about that is not only is the absolutely seductive Diego Luna reprising his role, but we're also getting uh, Alan Tudyk, who is the um, the lovable sidekick K2SO. He's going to be coming back, and um, a, a host of others, including Stellan Skarsgård, uh, Adria Arjana, Fiona Shaw, Denise Goh, Kyle Soller, and Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma. So, we have that to look forward to. We did get not quite a scissor reel, but a behind-the-scenes Hey, this is what we're doing. We're very excited, kind of featurette, and um, I'm I'm ready for the show. I'm excited because mainly this timeline means we have the potential to see more Darth Vader. What say you, Randy? I mean, anything that gets me more Darth Vader, I am wholly in support of, um, and I dig that time period. I mean, we're talking about five years before Rogue One, which essentially means five years before A New Hope. There's a lot of stuff going on. That's the Rebels era. You know, there's a lot of Imperial rumblings. There's a lot of story that you can tell. And, of course, Vader's going to be a badass that entire time. So uh, that is that is territory that not only are we familiar with, but we really like. I mean, by we, I say, like, the entire Star Wars fandoms team. <laughs> right. Because it's close to the original trilogy. So, um so that's good. I think Disney's very smart to have stuck with that show. I know a lot of people are like, oh, my God, really? It's been four years since uh, Rogue One came out. People aren't really, like, they almost kind of forget who this character is. But uh, I, I think it's got all the makings to, to be something fun and special, especially since you're pairing him back with uh, Alan Tudyk's K2SO. It's, 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 it's comedy gold. Right. I agree. What about you, Dave? Are you excited? So I'm going to be excited for every other thing we talk about the rest of this episode. This is kind of the one meh. I I love Rogue One, but everything I love about Rogue One has nothing to do with Cassian Andor. I, I, I never really liked him as a character. I thought he was maybe a little too cold. a little, And uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, obviously I'll watch it. I'll watch everything Star Wars. But uh, for me, I, I, I don't really care. Um, and I, I don't think there's a chance in hell we see Darth Vader in this show. Oh, that's too bad. I I see. I kind of liked him because at the very beginning, you know, he shot that guy that was kind of his friend, but not really. <laughs> you know, he's like just for the greater good. He is a morally flexible human being, and uh, I think that, that's what he is. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think there's a lot. To, I think there's a lot to get from that. But um, I I can see that you are not drinking that Kool Aid, but. The other show that definitely has a possibility of seeing Darth Vader is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And this is cool because, 
you know, we didn't know much about this series, and we do know now that it takes place 10 years after the events of uh, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, which is a big deal because uh, there was a special footage that was screened exclusively for the investors, and it had an interview that brought in uh, Ewan McGregor, and he said the most beautiful thing of all is that it brought me back together with Hayden and that he also added that they will have another swing at each other before the series ends and that's really tricky because there's two bombshells one we're getting Hayden Christensen back as Darth Vader and two they're going to meet up again uh, prior to their meet up in A New Hope I think most of us were under the impression that the last time these two human beings had an interaction with each other was on Mustafar yeah, especially because uh, Vader says that line. You know, the last time I saw you, you were with the learner. Now, or I was with the, the master. Now, yeah, now I am the master. Right. Uh, that really makes it sound like you know those fuckers haven't seen each other, and now now that shit's getting ready. I know. <laughs> I, I, I think there'll be like some kind of like workaround. I don't think, I don't think it'll be like they run into each other. I. I there's some things that I think are, are beyond retcon that are beyond like, you know, kind of sacred. And, you know, that, that's something I think that would be kind of a step too far. I, I think that they, they maybe have like a flashback or like a dream sequence or something timey wimey. Um, but I can't imagine they're going to, you know, go Cross at it. Sabres. Yeah. Right. Well, the, I, I agree with you on all of that, but if he's saying he's going to have another quote unquote swing at him, it sounds like he's swinging a saber, you know, and unless they're, Unless it really is like some sort of flashback or dream sequence or something that that we see, because this is honestly probably something that that Kenobi is tormented with as he lives alone out in the middle of the desert, you know, just like it, that is his great failure is 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 losing his Padawan to the dark side, right? So what if what, what, what if the series ends with? their encounter on the Death Star and they remake it with Ewan McGregor and that would be Hayden cool. Christensen. And then they just use that video that's been floating around on the internet <laughs> yeah. for the past two years when they, they get rid of uh, Alec Guinness's face and they put Ewan McGregor's on there. That would be cool. Just like the over-the-top force powers yeah. and just breaking shit and flying all over the place. That I love that video. I think it's so cool. Yeah. No, it, it, talking. Is, yeah it, it doesn't fit right with uh, A New Hope. <laughs> Right, yeah. we're, we're gonna get six episodes. You know, you and McGregor is is loves being Obi Wan. Alec Guinness hated being Obi Wan Kenobi. I don't think anyone would be upset with them, you know, reimagining it. Is assuming they don't end up putting that in like the the, the version of Episode Four, um, but that could be cool, and that would give them another swing at each other. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Now, and I do like that it's ten years after because I'm not really interested. I thought about this a lot on the way home from work today. <laughs> uh, at the end of episode three, he Darth Vader is upset. He, he screams no, and he's trying to figure out how to walk. And I don't really want to watch Darth Vader go through physical therapy and rehabilitation and try and figure out what went wrong and be a sad, mopey Vader. Um, while I do agree that that it is neat that he is upset and that he has this raw emotion, uh, something like akin to uh, Frankenstein's monster, you know, something that 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 has all this feeling and is an actual dynamic character. I think that that's great. I just don't want to see a weakened Vader. I, I love the idea that 
that I saw all the emotion I needed to see in his helmet when he was watching Palpatine fry Luke. And his face isn't changing, but we're seeing, we're literally watching this this metamorphosis take place and him see that he has to save his son. And that's the coolest fucking thing ever. And so I'm okay with it being 10 years after the events of episode three. He's Darth Vader. He's mean. He's angry. He just wants to just stop everyone that's in his way. And I love that. For sure. I'd like to see, you know, height of the empire. You know, this is going to be when they're at their most, their most vicious, uh, you know, just to kind of talk about, you know, Vader a little bit, you know, they're going back to the expanding universe again, you know, when episode three came out and they were making, you know, the dark Vader, dark Vader, the Darth Vader novels, uh, it was really cool to see exactly what you're talking about to where he's like, you know, like two months ago, I could like backflip and do like 86 somersaults and now I can barely walk. And it was because of that that he just found a new power and a new strength. And he realized he wasn't this 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 flamboyant, you know, acrobat. You know, and now he was just a force of raw power. And, you know, by the end of it, he comes out of it being stronger because he's just so full of hate, so full of anger. And he realizes he's so much more than just, you know, someone who could swing a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah. And this actually, I think it, I don't remember anymore, but I feel like it begins production in, like, March. Yes, March. Okay. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me anymore, and I apologize. That's okay. Um, it's the next yeah. Star Wars thing they're going to be shooting. Right. It's, it's soon. <laughs> yeah. uh, as soon as the, the holiday uh, festivities wear off, it is back to work, I suppose. Um, are you guys ready to move on? Sure. Anything else to add on Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi? Now, we've been talking about that series for a while, so there's there's so much more fresh, untapped stuff to, to get into. Sure. Like the Acolyte. Yeah. This is a, a new Star Wars series, and we don't know much about it other than the Acolyte is a mystery thriller that will take us into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emergent dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. What is the High Republic era, <laughs> you ask? I'm glad you did, because I had to fucking Google it, because I have no idea. But it turns out it's a sub-era of the Age of Republic set 200 years before the events of the Skywalker Saga and 800 years after the fall of the Old Republic. So, this is sort of uh, even diving deeper uh, into Wikipedia, as it were. This is sort of deemed as the uh, the Golden Age of the Jedi, where they're out and about and... and kidnapping kids and and exploring the outer rim territories and rocking and rolling so it should be a pretty fun era to explore and we we have the potential of seeing a middle-aged yoda or a, it's true you know um not as old yoda i guess he'd be around 700 right <laughs> i'm okay with yeah. that and the the high republic era is kind of like the the era that they're really trying to mine you know, in, at, at Disney, you know, between the novels and the TV show and everything like that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped about it. I think that, uh, you know, it seems like it's going to maybe be told by a dark side acolyte, you know, that they will be like the uh, the person running the show. Uh, mystery thriller was the buzzword for this whole event. Like there, there were probably four or five things that they called a mystery thriller. There were a handful of Marvel properties and one of the movies they announced as a mystery thriller. And so I don't know 
what that means. I think I think Alien, the Alien series on FX was also like a mystery thriller. It was going to have the horror of the first Alien movie, but the action of Aliens. Yeah. I and like then Loki that. was a mystery thriller as well. Yeah. What was that, Randy? I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I like the sound of that. You know? Right? <laughs> I'll take it, dude. Like, I'm fucking up. Literally the aliens. Best parts, yeah, the best parts of Alien and Aliens and mashing it together. I'm like, all right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, more please. Uh, yeah. The series is actually going to be um, run by Russian Doll co-creator Leslie Headland. So that's exciting. So look for The Acolyte and more information on that. Hopefully we'll be talking about that soon again on this amazing podcast. Definitely. Since, since they're kind of talking about uh, mining that era so much, I'm kind of surprised that this is the only property that's set in that time period. Um, but also, refresh my memory, this is a period before the, the Rule of Two with the Sith, right? So we can... No, it's uh, after. It's after the Rule of Two? Okay, so yeah. the Acolytes are powerful dark side users, but not necessarily full-blown Sith. So yeah, it's 300 years to 100 years before Battle of Yavin. Right. And this is the era, this is the era that the new books are going to be focused into? Is that correct? correct. Yes. Yeah, and I, I kind of kind of went down a rabbit hole. There's all kinds of weird things. There's this awesome space station that's not quite Babylon Five, but kind of in the same vein. And there's it's out in the middle of these like dark areas of the Outer Rim territories, and they, it serves as like a beacon to sort of bring people together. Uh, there's what's called the Great Disaster. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what that is. I clicked on a link and I read some stuff, and it. Caught me off guard, so I don't know if you want to be spoiler-free about the Great Disaster or not. That's great, but uh, look into it if you want to. Um, exciting stuff. It sure is. The High Republic. So, then we also, moving on, we have uh, Lando Calrissian. Lando is uh, not a system, it's a series on Disney+. And uh, the Star Wars... Official Star Wars Twitter account said the galaxy's favorite scoundrel, Lando Calrissian, will return in Lando, a brand new event series for Disney+. Plus. I don't know what an event series is. We were talking about it prior to the show, but we have not figured out what it is. Yeah, my, my guess, and it's of course, of, of course pure speculation, is that an event series would probably be the same thing as a limited series, meant for one season only. But I was also thinking, well, maybe it's considered an event because they're bringing back all the cast of Solo and they're making a big event of it. You know, instead of a movie, you get a series um, to to kind of chronicle their further adventures, which I think would be a good way to uh, utilize uh, all that they set up in the Solo film. Um, so that, that's it's hard to interpret what that means, but I'm going into it assuming there's probably only only going to be the one season because let's face it, Donald Glover is pretty pretty big right now you know uh, if they were to bring back some of the familiar faces from from solo like amelia clark and um you know just any incarnation of mall whatsoever um i don't know it sounds like it's going to be pricey so maybe they're going to want to you know not prolong it for too long but i'm in i'm, I'm that's awesome i, I love sure. some Lando. I, I thought it might be cool if they did it like the crown to where they have one season with young lando and one season with old lando oh now you're talking my language but you better do the old Lando season first. Yeah, or film I mean, both at the same time. Nothing, yeah, I was gonna say nothing against Billy D. Maybe, yeah, maybe you shoot them both at the same time and release some young Lando than older Lando, or do like they used to do with the old Young Indiana Jones TV series, where they had certain episodes bookended by the old Indiana Jones, and he's usually just doddering on, you know, in some sort of fever dream, talking about what he did back in the war, you know, that kind of thing, while he's, you know, 
<laughs> well, well, he's causing a disruption in a restaurant or a grocery store. Or <laughs> you know, he's just like back in my day. You know, sure. You, you totally, but, but it worked. I, I mean, as much as I'm making fun of it, it was never that terrible. It actually always worked. He's like, um, I didn't find the word to wear a mask in the grocery store. Oh, dear God. Right. But that I, I do like that idea. I like the idea of since since Billy D is uh, pretty much the most easily attainable uh, original rebels uh, that he would probably be pretty easy to get for a series. Sure. I'd be okay if it was just a remake of the movie Rounders and it's just him playing fucking cards and he's got to come up with money to pay off a debt for a friend or something. <laughs> I, I like that too, but I, but, but I think the key of it is we have to, we have to in some small way uh, I, I, you have to make Solo right because it wasn't as bad as everybody says it is. It deserved to get uh, more movies or potentially a series like this or something like that. It deserved to, to explore more of where that story was going because they didn't set it up to be a one and done. They teased us too much for it to be a one and done. I feel like this series, it, it's, it, it owes it to Star Wars to pick up the, the torch and carry it where, where that film left off. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the asshole. I see. I see Solo's story being over in that scenario, and then the Maul and Korra story continuing to where mm-hmm. I, I could be fine with that's that's. I mean, Solo got a ship. He got his Wookie. He got his blaster. You know, he got it all. And uh, you know, got those dice things that got, apparently got mean dice. something. <laughs> I'm a driver. I'm a pilot. <laughs> I'm a flyer. I'm a driver. So, so yeah, in that scenario, yeah, in that scenario, do we just have like a series called like what was it, um, Crescent Dawn or Crimson Dawn or whatever? Crimson Dawn, yeah. Um, I mean, I ain't no Disney exec, <laughs> but if I was, green light. I like my rounders idea. <laughs> Maybe he's got to pay a debt to Darth Maul. Darth Maul has got. He's going to be like KGB. And he's gonna be eating Oreos, and it's gonna be a great game of cards. Check, 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 check. <laughs> Mr. Son of Bitch, checking yeah. me all night. It's oh, my, be great. It's my pot. <laughs> whenever the fuck I want. Yeah, I don't want to overthink it. I just, I just want to watch him gamble. Maybe hit fun. the slots. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, ah. there we go. Uh, moving on. So I think we all knew it was coming, but uh, it is official now. Um, Rosario Dawson will be reprising her role as Ahsoka Tano in a live-action TV series coming to Disney+. Plus. Very excited about that. Uh, we'll be talking about the episode that we missed out on, uh, sadly, <laughs> when I was ill. And uh, I can't wait to recap the events that happened on that episode, and I'm very excited for where this series could go. I think it's fantastic. And then they also announced... A another spin-off series from The Mandalorian, Rangers of the New Republic. And these two series will actually be happening during the same timeline of The Mandalorian, which will ultimately culminate in a climactic story event. And the next chapter will debut on Disney Plus Christmas 2021, which isn't so, that far away. <laughs> no, it, it really isn't. But is, is that telling us that Mando is ending after three seasons? Is that what it sounds like to you guys? A climactic story event? I don't know. It could be very. I mean, Dave mentioned one of you mentioned the Arrowverse sort of mentality, where you know how every year they had that huge crossover event type thing. But using the word climactic story event, 
definitely changes things. But I would be okay with Mandalorian ending in in three seasons. I would say so too because it there there's definitely uh, a point where a series like that can't remain as good as it is and as sustainable as it is without just getting diminishing returns. So I I feel like having an exit plan and having it well-crafted and having going out under your own terms is the best way any show can, can leave the air and uh, something like this, that is beloved by so many people and, you know, is really the mule carrying star Wars on its back right now. Yeah. Really. It, it deserves the proper send off, so I'm okay with that too. I was thinking it would be three or four seasons, and now if I know we're all, we're only going to be getting eight more episodes next year, I'm like, oh, it's terrifying, gotta, isn't it? Gotta, yeah, got to make them count, but we'll get more into that later. Sure. I just you know thinking about that, you know, when when you know that the number, when you know the final number as far as episodes go, it gets really scary. I know that we were all freaking out during Game of Thrones too, because that final season was only six episodes, and we're like shit <laughs> we're running out of time here like what's gonna happen and it's so crazy when when you get that vibe and then it's a matter of you know are they rushing it is it is is too much happening too fast you know is the payoff really worth it and so it's Why it's kind of a brand right right and then exactly you, and then you found out <laughs> And it's it's so it's so funny how that works though, right? Because we don't know where it's ultimately going, but at the same time they're giving you these breadcrumbs and trying to to, to get you in the right direction. But it's one of those things where it's really hard to end a show and satisfy the masses, man. And I don't I don't I think that they're on the right trajectory to do something like that, especially if it was some big old climactic story event that involved, you know, one of your guys' favorite characters ever with Thrawn and and ahsoka and the mandalorian and having bubba fett and and fucking mando shoulder to shoulder just kicking ass and and breaking necks and cashing checks and kind of thing i think it could be amazing and it could be like the coolest thing ever in the history of of star wars but it's scary to think about (laughs) that's that's a that's a they're setting the bar really high early and it's terrifying yeah for sure i I think that if assuming that they, they had advance notice and they can map it out that they could do something special, I'm more interested in who's involved in the the Rangers. Is it is a cartoon? You know, now she's got a badge and stuff like that. You know, or is it you know is it uh, Paul Paul Soon Hungi the the wolf, the fighter pilot you, guy from Kim? You sending in the wolf? <laughs> the wolf. Shit, that's all you had to say. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, I, I like where you're going with that. And maybe they are setting something up by having those characters, those rebel pilots uh, recurring. Um, I mean, and that's that's cool, too. And, and I think that might be a, a feel-good way, you know, for lack of a better description, of like, okay, Mando's going away, but we're literally picking up where that show left off, and we're just following some of the other characters for a while. And, you know, maybe Mando will check in every once in a while if they need an extra hand. Uh, and I'm okay with that, you know, because it feels it feels right. And, uh, and, and I, I believe that, I believe that that's possible and, and that they're, they're going to treat it with the dignity that it deserves. Sure. Maybe I'm muted, but, but and I, maybe Mando goes away for a couple of years and he comes back with a new arc. You know, the, the judging by this, 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 this investor meeting, they have no shortage of star Wars and Marvel television shows, you know, to where, you know, Mando Disney plus will always owe its success to the Mandalorian. You know, I think that they have 90 million subscribers and 88 million of them are subscribed because of the Mandalorian. 
Are, are you prepared to give us your math breakdown? Are you going to take us to school right now? Uh, if you would like. I mean, I think it's a good time. I mean, do we can talk about... Because we, have, we haven't talked about this, their, the cinematic release yet. Are we still... now? Now's a good time because of... Because of we're still talking about just Disney Plus stuff. Sure. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, it was. It was. It was basically. Basically, I'll. I'll try to be quick-witted about it or quick-worded about it. Um, you know, Disney Plus is trying to take over for Netflix. You know, I don't think that's any surprise to anybody. And I think that with the reliance on Disney Plus for Star Wars and for Marvel, that the first thing people are going to worry about is that. Well, if we're going to get stuff on the small screen, the budgets need to shrink because there's not going to be the return on investment. You know, they put $300 million into a movie. They expect it to make $1 billion. And without that, you know, direct one-to-one correlation, you know, we can't expect them to invest as much on the screen. We'll get Mandalorian level stuff because they've already said they're in the during the call that they're investing in two additional stage tech facilities, you know, which is what they use to shoot the Mandalorian. They're going to put one in Atlanta and they're going to put one in London at the Pinewood Studios. Um, so, so just real quick, Netflix, which is the gold standard for streaming, has 200 million subscribers as of the end of uh, 2019. It's like 198, but just for easy math, we'll go to 200 million subscribers. Uh, you know, that equates to about 27 million, 27 billion dollars in revenue. You know, that's their annual revenue on this uh, this investment because unlike you know disney and other places they don't have ancillary revenue their revenue comes from subscribers to their platform and that's that's it you know anything that they sell merchandise for you know they don't have you know the main the master rights to because most of the stuff they sell merchandise for are licensed products like dark crystal or stranger things um so you know based on based off of what they're what they're earning they're paying they're paying in the high teens in billions of dollars for licensing rights you know so they're just, uh, you know, they're just hemorrhaging. They're just paying half of their profits to license these these products and stuff like that. To where Disney Plus, you know, they're going to eventually by 2023 is their 2023 is their plan to get to 200 million subscribers. They will definitely have a pay increase to to coincide with Netflix. However, they no longer have to pay these licensing fees because it's all their own IP, and so it will allow them to make significantly more money than they would in the theatrical model. Plus, you know, as we'll talk from Marvel and, you know, eventually Indiana Jones, they're not abandoning wholeheartedly piecemeal the the theatrical model. It's just theaters are going to inevitably start to go away as HBO Max and Disney Plus continue to put most of their properties on their streaming platforms. And so when that happens, you know, we're going to see Netflix, who's operating at a loss, you know, we're going to see them start to, to really have to shift their model. They're going to really have to struggle. They're going to have to make the decision whether or not they want to invest in original programming or if they want to um, if they want to invest in license deals to where Disney doesn't have to do that. Everything Disney makes is Disney owned. And so, um, you know, Disney is in a very good spot and, you know, they could easily cripple the film industry, wow. the theatrical film industry. And I think that's their intent. You know, a couple of months ago, like even it was only like two to three months into COVID, they shifted all of their resources to no no longer is it assumed that everything that Feige makes for Marvel is going to go theatrical or that Kathleen Kennedy makes for Star Wars is going to go theatrical. They now have a, a new wing run by Kareem. I, I apologize, I forget his last name. And him and his team are the ones who make the decision like, OK, you made this thing. This is going to go theatrical. 
this is going to go on demand. This is going to go premium tier Disney Plus, which they mentioned a couple times without giving specifics if they were going to go the Mulan route to where they charged you 30 bucks to get it or if it was something that was going to be more akin to like the HBO Max uh, way to where it was only going to be available for a small window. Um, mm-hmm. So there were a lot of questions left after this uh, this thing. So sorry to bore you with math and the real world implications. And It's uh, interesting that you tell me that Netflix is losing money though, right? Because like uh, in 2005, right, their stock price was $2.59 a share. Fast forward to 2012, and it was $11, mm-hmm. right? It, 2011 is actually $27 a share, and then it dropped dramatically to 11 bucks. Now it's over $500 a share in 2020. It's freaking crazy. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. But, I mean, just like Amazon, Amazon lost money forever. Right. And, but now they're just so ingrained that you know they can start to become profitable because amazon is the gold standard yeah that's nuts man but unfortunately unlike amazon netflix didn't conceive having a competitor in the marketplace and they do yeah you know what's interesting too though is like their interface is still like the best (laughs) every other interface pisses me off i can't stand it I freaking hate every digital services interface minus Netflix. Yeah, I, I agree. They still have that. Uh, they have that corner. <laughs> yeah, they gotta they gotta start stealing people <laughs> from Netflix to make that shit look a lot more appealing and easier and just faster. Fuck, man the the HBO app is like one of the worst in the world. You got it's faster to just search something on your phone. And then just add it to your list and then use the app on your TV. It's lightning quick that way. It's such a stupid app. I hate it so much. So it, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm internalizing what you've been saying, David. And, and this is blowing my, my not-so-young mind. Um, because I, too, would have been one of those huddled masses saying, no, there's, they're not going to do that. They're not going to make as much money. Or they're not going to put as much money into productions for streaming as they would for theater. Because they're just not making that kind of money. But, but you're, you're, you're shattering my beliefs and telling me that everything I thought was wrong. And, uh, and I'm actually believing you. Uh, that's, that's wild. So we can have those big $200 million budget tent poles that would normally have gone to theaters. And it could still make money, even more money. Um, in this streaming uh, market. That's crazy. Right, yes. I mean, Disney's best year at the box office, uh, I believe, was last year when they hit Endgame. Uh, I think they got just under $6 billion, and I apologize for not fact-checking this before I went, but it was somewhere in the neighborhood of $6 billion, and obviously that's total revenue. That's not profit uh, to wear off of, you know, the Disney Plus subscribers. You know, if they can make $15 billion off of their, their portfolio, that's better than that's you know two and a half times their best year at the at the box office. Sure. So at what point do they they raise the price a dollar to every subscriber? That's, that adds a lot of money, right? Yeah. Or at two dollars, and then do they lose money by people paying for the whole year versus you know paying by the month? Or you know those there's those early adopters that that did the three year plan and saved a lot of money. It's uh, they got to spend. They got to spend a lot of dough to get some new to get new customers, basically, which is what they're doing with their new content. They're spending a lot of money to get new subscribers. Yeah, I would. Re- I, I would guess that late spring, early summer is when we'll see the first hike because we'll have 
that'll be when the glut of the Marvel content starts to hit us. You know, we would have had WandaVision. You know, we'll be into uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, not Captain America, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You know, un- ideally they would have wanted to increase it, you know, at the beginning of this season of The Mandalorian. But because they, they weren't able to produce the original content fast enough to make their platform really robust, because, I mean, at mm-hmm. this point, it's really you're just watching legacy stuff. The original, there's no real original content. I mean, there is, you know, Mandalorian and there's a handful of other things, but nothing that's going to keep you paying an increase in price. Uh, and so once, once, cause they're talking about having a new show like every week now. And, you know, once yeah. they get to that point, you know, cause I know we're probably not going to talk about it, but they had a ton of like, what would have been like ABC's like Friday night lineup, like uh, TGIF stuff. You know, they had, uh, they had quite a few shows. They had like a Turner Hurt Hoot show, you know, they have a Mighty Duck show. Um, they have, there was a couple other ones they had that would have fit. There's a John Stamos show where he has to coach like uh, girls high school basketball. You know, these are, these are shows that would have been prime TGIF, you know, things with like growing pains and stuff like that. Um, so is there yeah, full, your full house and your step-by-steps and your perfect yeah. strangers. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Yeah. Are they going to so, bring back Tom Hanks for Turner and Hooch? They are not, unfortunately. I saw the drive-in. <laughs> yeah. But they talked about like a Percy Jackson series. They, they, they talked about they talked about a lot of stuff on this call. Um, and I know we're just going to basically hit the geeky stuff, but um, it was a lot. And just real quick while we we're talking, according to Forbes, uh, Netflix will lose $2.5 billion this year. Man, oh, that's cool. insane. Yeah. And they're no stranger to hiking up their prices. They've been doing it pretty regularly, almost on a yearly basis. Yeah, because is Disney Plus eight bucks now? I, I've no, I pay, I have the like Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN thing. So I, I have no idea. I buy the whole year for seventy dollars or whatever. Yeah, so let's just say it's seven ninety nine right now. Uh, I, I think that they could easily go to like you know a nine ninety nine next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just make that quick jump there, and then they'll probably have to wait like another year or so, and then they could go up to like you know ten ninety nine. Sure. Yeah, I mean the. I mean, once we get rid of, once we start, we're almost done with Star Wars. So once we get into Marvel and and stuff after that, it's it's worth it. Like uh, to me, it's it's we are it's going to be a steal. <laughs> of course, we already had this whole first year that was a whole lot of nothing. I mean, I, I think I watched aside from Mandalorian, I watched like Sword and Stone and Emperor's New Groove and Princess and the Frog. I think it was the only things that I watched. Oh, and the the Mickey. And Pluto go golfing with the gopher, and he does. <laughs> I had to watch that. <laughs> That's pretty much all I've watched in my Disney Plus. Yeah, but in 2021, there's going to be six Marvel shows. That's a lot. That is a lot. I've I've been spending more time getting into the depths of the vaults over at Disney Plus lately than I have been in the past, and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. So um, I am a happy subscriber, and I feel like uh, there's so much stuff on there. Not not all the new stuff that's coming, notwithstanding, you know, um, there, there's enough to, to kind of keep my, my curiosity engaged and my nostalgia for my own childhood and stuff like that. Right. Um, that I, it's already got a lot of good content, and now, now you're talking about all these great Marvel and, and Star Wars series, and I am, I'm loving it. Yeah, did it? Big deal. You know, lastly, I want. You know, there's two other things I want to talk about. Uh, real quick, there was the the Star Wars a droid story, which was going to introduce. Uh, I believe you told me it was like three PO and R two D two, and they're going to have another droid that they're going to kind of 
bring on their adventures. They're jumping in them into the gang. Yeah. <laughs> beat the shit out of them. Yeah, there you go. I mean, 3PO is always hitting R2. He's kind of abusive. He's like the Edward Cullen of that relationship, dude. He's brutal. Uh, and then there is, of course, the the new Star Wars movie, Rogue Squadron, directed by Patty Jenkins. She had this awesome little video where she's like on rollerblades and shit, and she gets up to her car, and she's talking about her father and how he gave his life for our country as a fighter pilot in a squadron. I think it was like F-4s that he was flying, and um, blew her away. It was the most exciting thing ever to watch them fly. And so she's very passionate about this, and, and now we are going to be getting... A, a Rogue Squadron motion picture show. And Patty Jenkins, of course, brought us uh, the two Wonder Woman movies, which is fantastic. Uh, she knows how to make an action spectacular, and um, she wants to make the best fighter pilot movie ever made. So very ambitious, and I'm excited and looking forward to this one. And she's a Star Wars fan, which always helps, because you know what happens when you put uh, any kind of project like this into into the hands of somebody that already likes the franchise. That's why Mandalorian is so good, in my opinion. Uh, right. I, couldn't be, I couldn't be more excited. And uh, Kathleen Kennedy used an interesting term when she put it in the timeline. She said it was in a future era of the galaxy. So I don't know if that is post-sequel trilogy, if that is in between uh, original trilogy and sequel trilogy. Uh, so it should be interesting. So, you know, obviously Rogue Squadron is so entrenched in, like, you know, the Wedge and Luke of it all. Where it would, this would be cool if it was post, uh, post like Star Killer Base, post you know Snoke and all of that, and it was someone like uh, trying to like just rekindle like the like Rogue Squadron or something like that, and we get like an old wedge or something like that. I, I do like the idea if we if we can have an old wedge involved, kind of like the 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 elder um, you know general or captain or whatever running it all that kind of thing. Um, I, I totally dig that, and I think that would be fantastic. But that would be acknowledging and living in the sequel trilogy era. And something that I've noticed with all of these projects is we're kind of avoiding that that space, that time, um, which begs the question, you know, a, a lot of people are, are claiming that Disney is retconning the sequel trilogy or, uh, you know, they have plans to go back and do something entirely different. What if the plan is just to not acknowledge that time period and give us so much stuff that takes place in the parts we love. Like I was the the whole thing that I was mentioning about the Cassian Andor series. It's it's original trilogy. Same thing with the the Rangers of the New Republic. That's that's Mando period. That's immediately following the original trilogy. Um, and even even the the High Republic stuff. That's that is a great time period to mine. But what we're ignoring is all the stuff that takes place during the D- Disney sequel era. Uh, do you think they're kind of casually sweeping that under the rug, hoping we'll all forget, or or maybe doing kind of like a soft reset, um, and just kind of like, well, you know, we're gonna build them up on all this cool stuff that happens five or ten years after Return of the Jedi, <laughs> and eventually we're just gonna we're gonna plow right into that thirty year period, and like First Order isn't even around, and not even something mentioned, and and here we are in an entirely different alternate timeline. What do you guys think about that? It reminds me of a Family Guy joke, like they, like Brian and Stewie were in like Berlin. They were taking like a tour of the city, and Stewie's like, huh, "I'm going through history books. Not a lot happened in between 1938 and 1945." Right. Like, it's like, like we're on vacation, all of us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. That's nuts. I find that I, that would just kind of break my heart in a lot of ways. I mean, while I, 
Well, I definitely hold the sequel trilogy into like a lower ranking in as far as the Star Wars pantheon goes. I would find it just offensive if it's just getting written out of our existence. <laughs> we all were excited to see them. We all were in line. And we were we talked about them for hours on this show. And there is joy to be had in them. And to just all of a sudden just discredit them and say, ah, fuck that shit, it doesn't exist anymore. It just kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I think it's it's too big to completely just be like, it didn't happen. But I agree with Randy that I think they're just going to like do everything in their power to just like avoid it, like the plague. And I could see a scenario to where they slowly start to contradict small things and then medium things. And then Luke Skywalker's alive, and they're like, no one's going to be mad if Luke Skywalker's alive. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I mean, I wouldn't. I'd be like, fuck yeah, dude, that's great. But a part of me, and all the people that worked on those movies and put up with all the bullshit on social media, all the toxic fandom, it just all goes to waste, I think. And that would just break my heart. I think that that's sad. I think the biggest casualty of the entire scenario would be the fact that toxic fans won. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and Disney kowtowed to uh, to all the the internet hate and bile that that a, a very vocal minority um, has thrown out. So, um, I, I, I just from a from a pride standpoint, <laughs> from, you know, like we don't negotiate with terrorists, kind of thing. Sure. I don't I don't think they're going to completely bend, or at least they will. I've always said that they're never outwardly going to admit that, but I do, I, I do kind of like the idea that David just threw out there. Like, yeah, slowly, but surely there might be small inconsistencies or, or uh, contradictions and then they'll get bigger and bigger until maybe who knows, but it, it's not going to be, all right, guys, clean slate, tabula rasa. We're just clean going. Slate. <laughs> you know, and we trust him. Where uh, you know we're we're backing up the truck full of money to Harrison Ford's house to get him back in this, and we're totally recasting Leia, and and hey, we're gonna do a proper, and now we've got Grand Admiral Thrawn, and oh my God, here we are, living uh. living the old legends. Um, you know we can still dream, but I don't right. know. I, I like the direction it's heading though. I mean, they could they could do something like that to where maybe they don't touch the sequel trilogy era, but in that in that interim time span, you know, there is a lot of Luke Han and Leia adventures, you know, like you, you brought up Granimal Thrawn, you know, like Thrawn trilogy of books, you know, they could do stuff in that, that maybe contradicts the main storyline, but it doesn't outright like negate it. Um, I could see them doing something like that. Um, I had something I was going to say, but I don't remember now. Because oh, well. when you look at the aftermath books, now I haven't read them, so this is coming from a, a place of, of relative ignorance. I but, would read them for you. Okay, well, well, what I'm probably not going to at this point if I haven't yet, but because they are the written word and they are not uh, on screen adventures, you know, a lot of people aren't familiar with them, and it's easy to move that kind of stuff out of canon, just like it was for all that all the previous novels that were that were slid, slid out of canon in the legends. Um, so all that stuff that's supposed to happen post Return of the Jedi to lead us up to the First Order, to lead us up to you know where uh, we picked up in the Force Awakens, all of that could be moved to a different era of legends a different style of legends because we didn't see it happen it was just written somewhere you know so i I think any any of that stuff that's supposed to be happening uh could easily just be rewritten literally and that's all it is it's just the written word so 
Yeah, they'd have to do some kind of like Kelvin type thing like they did with Star Trek to, I think, completely negate it. And I don't think that I don't think that Star Wars fans, we would kind of accept like a radical departure, um, like a split timeline. I don't think I that's something I would be interested in. Well, uh, we've talked about it a little bit briefly in this series, uh, talking about the world between worlds, and we were thinking maybe um, maybe Grogu, uh, Baby Yoda. We haven't got into that yet, but um, maybe he was going to kind of be the catalyst that and Ahsoka, who's already been there. Well, she's got her own series. What a, what a better vehicle to split off into uh, an alternate timeline than the person who has walked the world between worlds. Uh, maybe, maybe that's the point of that show. Who knows? I know crazy, crazy idea time, but that is crazy idea. Those are the best kind of ideas. And I think a lot of people are trying to draw parallels to like what they're doing with justice league versus what they would do with the sequel trilogy. And I think it's important to realize that the only reason the justice league movie is happening is because there are people to blame for messing up in the first place. And that's because of, you know, AT&T owns Warner Brothers, who owns, you know, DC. And so, you know, they have people to blame. To where Star Wars is owned by Disney, and that Disney owns Disney, and Disney's the conglomerate, and Disney's everything. So they would, Disney would have to admit that they fucked up. And I don't see that happening to where AT&T can say, you guys screwed up, you guys have to do this. It is spoken, so it is written. <laughs> uh, you know, I think Disney is never going to admit that they've messed up. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, and, and did they mess up? I mean, there's a lot of fans that love the sequel trilogy. Yeah. I mean, it made a lot of money at the end right. of the day. Huh? Mess up's the wrong word, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Did they displease a, a vocal sect of fans? <laughs> Bunch of 40 year old fucks. <laughs> well, okay. I, I, there's a lot that I enjoyed um, with the sequel movies, and, and I really, really enjoyed the spinoffs. So I'm, I'm not going to be one of those haters uh, in this scenario. Uh, but let's just say, you know, two, three years from now, Kathleen Kennedy decides to retire and who knows who's going to take over. Let's David. just like, <laughs> let's, let's say David Edmondson takes over and he's like, you know what, we're going to go a different direction. We're taking, we're taking uh, live action entertainment in a different direction. Uh, we, we've seen the fan. Akbar, family. a Star Wars story. <laughs> Thrawn, a Star Wars story. Akbar like, 2. We, we, we've seen how, how the fans have uh, responded to all these wonderful live action series and where things are heading. So we're going to explore that, you know, we're, we're going to carry that through to, to what feels like the next, you know, rational point. And, you know, if that contradicts some of the other star Wars stories that we've told in the past, uh, that's okay. Well, we're, we're embracing going this new direction with it. And we think the fans are really going to get behind it. Um, that's not necessarily admitting that anything was bad. That's not completely throwing it out. And, if you have a vehicle you know or a natural way to segue from one timeline to another um you know as long as you have somebody who the, the public generally believes is a capable person and you know let's say david Epi he he directed his two episodes of mando in season three and and the whole world knows who he is now and it's like wow this guy is good and and give him the reins to star wars because he's he's got it you know he he understands grand admiral thrawn and akbar you know and uh and and they're like put this guy in charge cool you'll have the the force of the star star wars uh nerd army behind you and awesome you know, like Rocky Three. Yes, four. I thought the fist coming together was four. I was doing all of them. 
Oh, four had the, four had the countries on it, so you four is probably yeah. a better metaphor. Yeah, But but anyway, yeah. <laughs> sorry, <Randy. laughs> if, if 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 you know if there was a, a basically, I'll, I'll just boil it down to a power change, a regime change. You know, if one regime left, a new regime stepped in and said, "Hey, we see that everything is trending this way, and we want to explore it more. Uh, this is the direction we're heading." Uh, they're they're telling us they're not asking us they're doing it and and they've got a plan. All you, all we need is word that you've got a plan. If we know that you've got a plan and it's well thought out and you're going to be executing said plan, it's already better than the direction the sequel trilogy was heading. Uh, so that's so all we, I'll say. We, we need a mystery thriller. <laughs> I think Kathleen Kennedy deserves like a like a Nobel Prize or something, man. I, I can't I can't believe we've never had like a, her blowing up on just. She's just been like the focus of such negativity for so long in this with the Star Wars fans, and um, it's 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 frankly really disappointing. Like it, it's really gotten to me the last couple months. Like uh, you know, it got to me at the beginning, obviously, but just that they're still harping on Episode Eight. I mean, Jesus Christ, that's three years ago. Yeah, there's well, like like oh, Ryan Johnson doesn't know Star Wars. Another. Ten reasons why Ryan Johnson doesn't know Star Wars, and then a follow-up: twenty more goddamn reasons why he doesn't know Star Wars. And, he, and, he keep, and they keep posting like the same memes. I get it; it's stupid that the bombers are slow. I, I, I'm never going to argue that the bombers shouldn't be slow to begin to think, but, but they are. Who cares? It happened. <laughs> it's for dramatic effect. It's like when Kurt Russell lifts up his shotgun in Tombstone. He's like. No, but it's a five-minute no. <laughs> it just takes longer. No yeah. big deal. So if you are still actively bitching on a regular basis about The Last Jedi on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, 4chan, 8chan, 16chan, whatever yeah. chan you're on, you are the problem. Like, Ryan Johnson isn't the problem. Kathleen Kennedy isn't the problem. Star Wars isn't the problem. Toxic fans aren't the problem. You personally are the problem. <laughs> One hundred percent. If you post a, if you post a meme in twenty twenty and heaven forbid twenty twenty one, and it is solely an episode eight jab, just just delete your internet. You're the, you're the problem. Yeah, I just move on, bro. Right. I love Star Wars a lot. My son's name is Luke, for Christ's sake. And you know, I was pretty sad that his namesake dies in that movie, but it happened. You know what? The sun came out the next day. Right. Some planets have two suns. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, I mean, two suns came out for Christ's sake. Oh, that out there. Um, so yeah, that's Star Wars for you. A lot of lot of lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. Uh, do you guys want to move on to Marvel? Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. So I'm just gonna go through the amazing Marvel Studios Twitter feed because it was freaking remarkable as far as revealing announcements and trailers. But we did get a new trailer for uh, WandaVision, which is exciting. That actually starts streaming on Disney Plus on January 15th. So we're just a few weeks away from getting into that. So that's exciting. Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness debuts March 25th, 2022, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Elizabeth Olsen, Benedict Wong, Rachel McAdams is actually coming back, which is awesome, uh, Chiwetel uh, Ajufer, which is great, um, directed by Sam Raimi, and it will have ties to WandaVision and 
the next Spider-Man film, which is now starring every goddamn human being in the planet. Everyone's coming back to to have their roles in the next Spider-Man film, including Doc Ock, which is very exciting. I can't wait for that one. Alfred Molina, right? And uh, we also have Tobey Maguire. Uh, was it confirmed that Tobey Maguire and... and um, yeah, and Kristen their girlfriends. Stewart? Not Kristen Stewart. What's yeah. her uh, uh, What's her name? Kristen, Kristen Dunst. Dunst. Yeah, Kristen Dunst, and then Andrew and their Garfield. girlfriends. Yeah, Andrew and Garfield. Are they confirmed or are they still rumored? Andrew Garfield and, and Emma Stone. I'm pretty confident that they they're heavily they they may not be like 100 percent confirmed, but it's it's okay. heavily implied. It's, yeah, it's implied, right? So definitely having this multiverse vibe. Um, I'm kind of hope. I know everyone's upset about the whole. No, no one's talked about Miles Morales. I mean, that's like burying the lead. But I think that it would be really cool if it is just the 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 world's best kept secret, like Red Wedding sort of best kept secret, to where he see him and it fucking blows everyone away. I think that would be really really cool. I totally get behind that. Yeah, that'd be rad. Uh, moving on, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This original series starts streaming on March 19th. So just two months after WandaVision, which is pretty remarkable. We are rocking and rolling knee-deep in, in Marvel stuff. They got a new trailer, which actually looks really, really cool. In a in a lethal weapon buddy cop sort of <laughs> series, it looks fucking awesome, dude. I'm 100% on board. Dave, I know you're pretty pumped about it, too. Yeah, it's it's definitely my number one as far as Marvel goes. And there's a lot of great Marvel stuff, but this one just looks so awesome. And you know, just the trailer—we finally got a decent trailer for it, and you can really see feel the weight on you know Sam Wilson's shoulders. Is you know he's expected to like replace the unreplaceable Captain America. Yeah, who could do that? My goodness. Um, then we have the Loki series that's actually coming in May of 2021. So I mean, we're we're moving right along, right? January, March, and May. That's that's incredible. That's a lot of action. This actually picks up after the events of uh, Endgame when the team goes back and tries to get their hands on the Tesseract, and um, Loki is just tied up. He's got that that ball gag thing going on, and the the Tesseract hits his foot, and then he warps out, and now wacky mayhem ensues. And it is. Uh, Weird because we did hear about this TVA, which is actually Time Variance Authority. He's being, he's like going down the elevator with Owen Wilson, and it's not making any sense. You're like, what the hell? What, what is happening right now? And then all of a sudden, he's going on these missions and having these adventures. But TVA, which is something that is spoken in the series, actually is the Time Variance Authority. I had no idea what the hell it was. Apparently, it's a new, uh, a new deal. Is that correct, Dave? I don't think it's new, but I don't. I think it's like something no one's ever talked about ever. Oh, okay, so yeah. it's new. It's new to anyone that's ever just only watched the MCU, as it yeah. were. Yeah. Okay. And Owen Wilson was in it. <laughs> yeah, he's got his little mustache. He kind of has a um, a Stark a Howard Stark vibe. Like he, you know, he's got like the that hair and that little mustache. It's kind of weird. He seems like a man at a time. Yeah, it took me a while to like place him for some reason. Like he's got such a recognizable voice, but he's kind of been out of the spotlight for a while. And I'm like, wait, what? Oh, right. it's Owen Wilson. <laughs> oh, totally. Uh, then we also got a look at a new trailer for uh, What If. Um, I know that when I was a kid, there was a lot of What If comics, which 
sort of like Randy's list with Nicolas Cage, like what if Nicolas Cage was in fucking Titanic or whatever. These are these are fun little stories where it's just uh, a play on scenarios, like a butterfly effect, where uh, now we just have to just embrace this whole new concept, and, so, and it totally turns your world upside down when it comes to Marvel characters, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, I think this will be an interesting series. Uh, the trailer shows it as uh, animated. And this is coming in summer of 2021 on Disney+. Plus. Did you guys check out the trailer? Yeah, it's uh, like you, what ifs were always like uh, really fun reads because it was always just something crazy. And just like, what if Thanos had won or something like that? And I was, right. always, I was always enamored in these little like one-offs or maybe two-offs occasionally. And... Uh, I think this allows the filmmakers to have a lot of fun, and since it is, since it's going to be animated, you, everyone's on the table. You know, it's not like they have to get Chris Evans to come back to play Zombie Captain America. Right. In the, in the trailer, there's a young T'Challa that's out just walking the plains, and Yondu picks him up and puts him in his ship and takes off to go on <laughs> adventures. And it's like, whoa, that's going to change things. <laughs> so, I mean, it's all just fun little stories. They don't, they don't really turn out to be anything. It's all just hypothetical and it's fun, but uh, it's exciting stuff. I mean, they can even be short. Like it'd be, I mean, they don't have to be you know, long episodes. Sure. I mean, I, sometimes if three to five minutes could probably be enough. They don't yeah. need to be like a 22 minute program. I mean, it's cool if they are, but I would be okay with multiple episodes inside of 22 minutes i think that would be kind of cool too you know like uh, uh animatrix kind of style <laughs> animatrix <laughs> um also some exciting news that production has wrapped for shang chi and the legend of the ten rings uh that's awesome stuff that is actually set to hit theaters in july 9th 2021 assuming the world is back to normal mm. not sure how that's gonna hopefully go. Right. Um, we did get a fun little featurette on Miss Marvel, a newer character to the Marvel comics that has grabbed the world's imagination, and we're excited to announce Iman Vellani as uh, Kamala Khan. So that's, I think, she, I want to say she's a Pakistani descent. I think she's from Pakistan. I could be incorrect. I don't remember. I've read a lot of information <laughs> in the last couple hours, uh, but I, I believe that is... Uh, were her origin so that's exciting stuff diversity see mm. um she hulk coming to disney plus i think we all knew that but we did not know that tim roth was going to be returning as abomination and the hulk himself mark ruffalo will also appear in the series yeah that's awesome i uh i think it's it's fun because you know tim roth obviously wasn't any mark ruffalo hulk movie so it'll be be a fun little way for them to get on screen together sure and Tim oh, Roth you know, is a madman. Right, he's crazy, man. He's nutso. I did, uh, I'm sorry, I skipped over one. Brie Larson does return as Carol Danvers in uh, Captain Marvel 2, and it's all going to be directed by Nia DaCosta. I believe we talked about that a couple weeks ago on this show, but the film is also going to bring Miss Marvel to uh, the big screen, so that'll be awesome as well. Yeah. Uh, as well as uh, Monica Rambeau, uh, played by WandaVision's... Uh, Tayana Paris. That's coming yeah. November 11th, 2022. It's interesting. I don't know if she's playing the same character or if it just happens to be the same actor. It, it's worded in a way that makes me think it's the same actor, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I got the same vibe when I read it. Yeah. But we will get Iman Vellani as Miss Marvel in 
Captain Marvel 2. So yeah. there is that. Moon Knight. Um, that is all that we learned about that a couple weeks ago as well. Also coming to Disney Plus. Secret Invasion. Samuel. L- uh, this one's another one that I'm pumped for. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is back as Nick Fury and Ben Mendelsohn from Captain Marvel returns as Skrull Talos in this new series, Secret Invasion. I think that Ben Mendelsohn fucking just won me over as Talos. And I, I think he's just one of the greatest fucking funniest actors working today. And I I just eat him up. I watch everything that the man does now because of his role as Talos. And uh, I can't wait for this show. Yeah, I love him as Talos. And uh, I love him where he, when he's impersonating uh, Nick Fury in, I think it's Spider-Man. Spider-Man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, and it's really interesting because I think a lot of people thought that Secret Wars was going to be the like the next big like uh, end game level event, and so it'll be interesting if this if the series goes into Secret Wars or if the series is to set up like a larger scale cinematic universe Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. That'll that'll be fun. Yeah, time will tell. Uh, coming soon to Disney Plus is Dominique Thorne is genius inventor Riri Williams in Ironheart, an original series about the creator of the most advanced suit of armor since Iron Man. So, gonna look out for Ironheart. Yeah, people have been, you know, a lot of people have been clamoring for this. Uh, you know, she was Tony Stark's kind of like like the replacement in Iron Man for a while, and uh, it'll be uh, interesting to see how they pull that off. Sure. Uh, speaking of Iron Man, we also have Rhodey coming back as War Machine in Armor Wars, an original series coming to Disney Plus. A classic Marvel story about Tony Stark's worst fear coming true: what happens when his tech falls into the wrong hands? Dun, dun, dun. I think we saw some of that in Iron Man Two. Yeah, I was going to say it'd be awesome <laughs> if they brought back Sam Rockwell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's great. That's cool. Fucking love that guy, dude. He's so funny. Uh, I watched Galaxy Quest over the weekend, and fucking, <laughs> he is so great in that movie. Yeah, don't open that up. <laughs> yes, sir. You don't know. <laughs> it's my last name. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so funny. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is getting a holiday special. James Gunn is back to write and direct. The original special is coming to Disney Plus in 2022. That could be fun. <laughs> Yeah. I, I love the sound of that. That sounds just crazy enough to work. Right? Christmas in space. Who knew, right? That Jesus, he's everywhere. Guy. He knew. <laughs> yeah. uh, we also have I Am Groot. Everyone's favorite little tree, Baby Groot, will star in a series of shorts on Disney Plus featuring several new and unusual characters. All right, I'll take it. Academy Award winning actor Christian Bale will join the cast of Thor Love and Thunder as villain Gore the God Butcher. In theaters May 6, 2022. Uh, this one looks fun. So, uh, Gore the God Butcher, he was in... Uh, I had just gotten into Thor uh, because of Jerd, Jeff Muller. He's a big Thor guy. And he was going on and on about how great Thor is. At this, this is like in 2013. And so... I, yeah, so I read it, I'm like, this is the most depressing fucking Thor book I've ever read in my entire life. And I couldn't even, I see this broken Thor that's all sad and depressed and, and like, missing a hand or some shit. And I'm like, I can't, I can't watch, I can't read this. <laughs> and uh, so I'm excited to see how Taika Waititi uh, makes this movie. I think it'll be pretty good. Yeah. As a funny man tackling... Uh, serious content. 
I think it'll be pretty good. I mean, Jojo Rabbit is pretty hardcore. At, at, I mean, it's got a lot of love and heart at its spirit, but it's definitely some hardcore subject matter. And it's weird laughing and loving a movie that takes place in that era. You know, it's... it's and especially when you get, like, some hardcore things happen and people die and, and you're just really sad. But at the end of it, it's it's a it's a pretty fun-spirited film. And it's like, how are you able to do that with, with the fucking kid that's imaginary friend is Adolf Hitler? That just seems impossible. Right. And even if you take, like, Thor Ragnarok, like, it's it's a pretty sad story. I mean, sure. Loses his dad, loses his brother, or he doesn't lose his brother. Loses his dad, you know, his sister, loses, he loses his hammer, loses an eye, you know. Shit goes bad for Thor in that one. Loses planet, all those people die. Yeah, as guardians still, are murdered, and it's still hysterical. And I still love it. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's amazing. He's a great storyteller. Yeah. So you have that. Peyton Reed is back to direct the third Ant Man film, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. <laughs> Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, and Michelle Pfeiffer all return. Catherine Newton joins the cast as Cassie Lang and Jonathan Majors, who we talked about a couple weeks ago, as Kang the Conqueror. Yeah, yeah. I am very excited. I, uh, I am. Uh, I'm probably the world's biggest Ant Man and Ant Man the Wasp the movie fan. Uh, they are just such a delight. I could watch them over and over and over without being bored with them. Sure. And Kang the Conqueror is akin to your uh, your Fantastic Four bunch. And so that actually brings us to our next one. John Watts will direct the new feature film of for Marvel's first family, Fantastic Four. Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised that John Watts was going to direct. You know, since he's the kind of the Spider-Man guy, and sure. uh, I mean, not that he's not capable of directing another superhero, but um, I just would think that he would be so busy with Spider-Man, he wouldn't have time to focus on Fantastic Four. But I guess the man doesn't sleep. Sure. I mean, they don't give any real information about when it's going to come out, I don't think. Uh, they said 2023. Oh, so that's, that's pretty quick, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's soon. Yeah, so they're, they're, their slate is in 20, May 2021's Black Widow, July 2021's Shang-Chi, November 2021's Eternals, December 2021 is Spider-Man, and then 2022, on my birthday, March 25th, 2022, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, uh, May 6th is Thor, Love and Thunder, July is Black Panther 2, November is Captain Marvel 2. Then they go to the 2023. They have four films as well. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Blade, Ant-Man the Wasp, Quantumania, and Fantastic Four. So that's four Marvel movies a year at the theater. And their Disney Plus slate is, in 2021, we have WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, Miss Marvel, and Hawkeye. And then in 2022, we have She-Hulk, Moon Knight, Secret Invasion, Ironheart, Armor Wars, I Am Groot, and the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. That's six Disney Plus shows for the ne- on 2021, six in 2022, and four theatrical movies a year for the next three years. Wow. That's busy. Yeah. With no Avenger movie on the slate. Yeah, that, I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, I'm fine. I, I, th- I think we expected a delay. It was just... It's just a million Marvel things on this. I'm looking at this picture here and you know, it's, it's, it's impressive. <laughs> that is impressive. Especially with just the way the world is going. Like I, I have to believe that production has slowed down in a way that just because of safety reasons, that it's amazing that they're going to be busting their ass to get these done in that quick of a time period. It just seems, it seems weird. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just nuts. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to share my screen so you can see the the list I'm looking at. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah, that's so a lot of action. That is a lot. <laughs> Especially with like Black Panther, because we don't know what's going to happen with that. I know that Kugler uh, was still attached to direct it and everything, but July eighth, twenty twenty second, when we have no idea what the hell they're going to do. Um, for that, you know, we did talk about prior to the show the the idea of how they were going to just explore other characters in Wakanda, which is fantastic. Uh, so we'll see how that turns out but this is a busy 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 screen that i'm looking at with a lot of logos a lot of names and it's freaking me out that's we i mean six years ago we were already talking about superhero fatigue and i don't think that we were even close to that now i mean we're looking at this and everyone's pumped you see the screen like oh my god and these are these are not only new things but also sequels so i mean this is uh quite quite a feat that they have managed to put together over at marvel studios but i think part of the reason why the fatigue isn't there is because the movies have been good you know and we, took, and we took a year off <laughs> yeah yeah basically. i think that's a big contributing factor like sure fatigue would definitely be more of a realistic thing if we weren't kind of starved for material right now right no that's a good point it's crazy that this has already been a year man yeah it's fucking nuts i can't believe 2020 so, I mean, in the next two years, there will be 20, 21 high-level Marvel things, either movies or television shows. Right. <laughs> I mean... That's just Marvel, not even counting all the Star Wars shit we just spent the last hour talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they mentioned in the next couple years, they said there will be 10 Star Wars shows, 10 Marvel shows, 15 uh, Disney, Pixar uh, animation uh, shows on Disney+. Plus. And that's not even counting, you know, the theatrical films that they plan to do. Wow, that's nuts. And this is why you subscribe to Disney Plus. Yeah, you know, and like, and like I said, we didn't talk about, you know, that ABC stuff, you know, the Mighty Ducks, which looked fun. Sure. <laughs> uh, the John, John Stamos show, you know, looked like a fun little family drama. You know, he's a he's like a Bobby Knight type uh, type coach in the college college ranks, and uh, gets does something and gets kind of demoted to high school basketball at a girls prep school sure and they learn from each other like dangerous minds even better <laughs> <laughs> oh man and then we also have uh kathleen kennedy did confirm that indiana jones 5 is in pre-production with a planned 2022 release i don't see how that is even remotely possible uh we know that harrison ford has planned to to reprise his role as the amazing Indiana Jones, but to conclude the story, they say. Sure, sure. Let's say that. Maybe I guess the real race is will Indy Five come out before Avatar Two, <laughs> oh, which man. wasn't mentioned once, right? <laughs> owned by Disney, they didn't once mention Avatar. Man, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> and supposedly, two of them are shot. Yeah, like principal photography is done. Yeah, that's you, nuts, dude. I, I mean, half the stuff they talked about Marvel, they haven't even like shot a single frame, and here you have two sequels to the second highest grossing film of all time, and you don't mention it in your four-hour presentation where you talked about John Stamos coaching girls basketball. <laughs> that's terrible. There, there, there was room for Avatar. <laughs> yeah, 
but there wasn't really a ton of Fox stuff. You know, I, I noticed, you know, and I, I guess it's understandable. They did talk a lot about FX, uh, and it was actually pretty impressive when they were talking about FX to talk about, you know, if you took the average of every FX original show and on Rotten Tomatoes, like the average score is like 86, you know, because you're right. talking like The Shield and, you know, all of these like just, uh, you know, Sons of Anarchy and stuff like that. Um, but what's kind of fun is they, they, they renewed. Uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia for four more seasons. Yeah, 18 seasons is what it'll be at when it's yeah. done. It'll be the longest-running live-action television show. That's nuts, dude. Do you guys watch Always Sunny I, at all? I watched the first two seasons. Yeah, I haven't seen any of it. I watched a couple of seasons. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't believe that it's going to... At the end of the day, it's going to be 18 seasons. That's a lot. Right. That's just a lot of time to be working on a show. Yeah. Or to, that it's going to be the longest-running television show of all time. Yeah, the, there's there's going to be a kid that was born when it came out, and he's graduated. And he or she, or non-binary, is going to be graduating high school when it ends. That's yeah. nuts. Well, my my oldest son is older now than I was when I started watching The Simpsons as a kid. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I went. Simpsons came out in '90, so I was 12. He's 14 now, so. It's just crazy how long The Simpsons is just. Simpsons did it. They had a fun They had a fun sketch when they were introducing like the Fox animation instead of having like just you know so and so from Disney blah blah blah. They had Homer Simpson sure. do it. It was kind of funny. Sure. Um, do I'm looking at the time. Do we want to bang out these Mandalorian episodes really quick and then call tonight? Sure. Works for me. Have- we have 45 minutes before Randy pees himself. <laughs> I, would, I would think there's no pee left after the last two episodes. <laughs> All right, so let's jump right into it. I apologize because I was not available to record last week, but uh, The Mandalorian Chapter 13, The Jedi, had an amazing opening with uh, that dead forest and Ahsoka Tano just being fucking Freddy Krueger and sneaking up on people <laughs> and murdering them, and it was so goddamn cool. Well, walk me through it, Randy. She had absolutely no trouble just murdering fools in that burnt-out forest. So we find ourselves on uh, this planet with, like, uh, just, like, or at least this area of a planet that's just, like, loaded with henchmen uh, wearing, like, these gas masks and leather hoods and stuff like that. And and she is just, like, mercilessly hunting them down and killing them in a forest before uh, confronting this magistrate standing on top of a wall Um basically saying you're going to tell me what i want to know and she's like and then the magistrate was was very um like come and get it kind of thing right and uh so that that sets this this 24 hour clock ticking that ahsoka is going to come back and rain hell down upon the magistrate in the village and everything uh if she doesn't like let these people that are being like these villagers that are being held captive go and everything. And then of course, that's when uh, her path crosses with uh, Mando who, who arrives on the planet at the, at the behest of um, uh, Bo-Katan uh, told him what planet to go to, to go find Ahsoka. So he goes before he finds Ahsoka, he finds the, the, the town, the little village and the magistrate and the magistrate tries to, to hire uh, Mando to kill the Jedi. That's the thorn in his side. And of course he doesn't agree to do it, but he's like, where can I find this Jedi? Cause that's right. fine. And in the meantime, no, I like, I like that he didn't agree because then he would be going back on his word and, and, right. and 
That may, that would be a character flaw if he did something he, like that. Yeah, he did it in a very coy way. He's not like, yeah, I'll take the job. He's like, all right, well, where can I find this Jedi? And he's being offered this shaft, this like spear of pure power. <laughs> <laughs> he's being offered the shaft. Um, so he's he's being offered this for his payment for killing this Jedi, like a, a, a giant ass spear of pure Beskar, which is probably enough to make almost a whole suit of armor. So he's like, all right, well, you know, this belongs to the Mandalorian, so I'll I'll do what I can to get it back. Um, but so anyway, uh, that then he goes out into the forest to to go find Ahsoka, who finds him, and you see this awesome kind of like lightsaber versus Beskar armor kind of like. Um, it's not really, it's a very one-sided fight, but, um, before she, she has a chance to, to just wipe the floor with Mando, he mentions, uh, Bo-Katan's name or mentions her name, Ahsoka's name right. for Bo-Katan sent me. And then that's when she looks over on this stump and sees, uh, baby Yoda. And then all of a sudden, um, they, yeah, like, they, mind, they, she's like, I hope it's about him. Yeah. I hope it's yeah. About him. Uh, and no, it, it it it's awesome, and then there's like this whole thing where the two of them are just kind of sitting there talking to each other without saying anything. Um, baby Yoda's just sitting there cooing and making baby sounds, and right. like, just sitting there like shaking her head, like as if she understands him, that kind of thing. And and then she drops a bomb when she goes back to Mando uh, to say, it's, you know, to, to to tell us a little bit about his backstory. He's got a name, and his name is Grogu, um, which you know it, it sounds kind of like this like barbarian kind of like grogu smash kind of thing <laughs> right 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 are but, you guys sold on the name are you cool with it or were you I'm, like what the fuck when i first heard it i'm like uh, <laughs> uh all right fine you know they're they're calling the tune i'm gonna dance to it no matter what sure. it is i so, like that it was just nonchalantly like just thrown out there so yeah had it been this like big reveal i would have been like and his name is da, da, da. Right, cut the commercial. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. comes back. Yeah, I, th- I was getting like total Anyang vibes because every time he says it, he's like, huh? yeah. <laughs> so it's like totally like Anyang, Anyang. But it's it's great because it's like if you've ever had any kind of pet, you know, and you say their name, and they're one of the if they're the type of pet that just like is very attentive to what you say, and they're like expecting treats or whatever, they kind right. of just look at you like, huh, kind of thing. Yeah. That's that's what what Baby Yoda does the entire show. He knows, me. He knows yeah. me. Yeah, every time anyone says Grogu, he just has, does this adorable little head cock kind of like <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, so and then you know he demonstrates uh, some force powers for Ahsoka, and then Ahsoka is like, you know, kind of kind of kind of sensing him out, feeling him out, and realizes that he is super afraid. He's got this big period of darkness um, because he was like there at the Jedi temple, like just before order 66 happened and he was whisked away and and hidden, but he had been receiving training by several masters already, which is about 30 years in the timeline before when this takes place. So you got to figure he's about 20 years old in, in Yoda's PC years. And if he's kind of like, if he's, if he's an infant now, it's like he would at 20, 30 years ago, he would have been, who knows, pretty much like freaking tadpole, you know? Um, So I I have no idea what kind of condition he was in, but apparently he was, he was receptive enough to have been receiving training by several Jedi masters uh, and enough to be known throughout the Jedi temple, that kind of thing. Um, But 
she she refuses to train Go Grogu because she says that he has too much of an emotional attachment to Mando and he's got the fear of losing him. And then that's when she says she drops probably one of the biggest bombs of the episode right there when she said, I've seen what this kind of attachment can do to a fully trained Jedi Knight to the best of us, which, of course, is referring to Anakin. Right. Um, and she's like, I'm not going to start him down this path. And oh my God, was that heart crushing because not only is she, you know, referencing her relationship with Anakin, but um, just comparing those two together and not wanting him to, to fall to the dark side the way that, that her master did. It's just like, it's, it, it is just so powerful and emotional and wonderful. Um, so basically she's like, I don't want your damn kid. It's not my baby. And right. uh, Sends him, sends him to another planet uh, where there's like this old Jedi temple and there's a seeing stone at the top of this this hill and you're supposed to like sit on the seeing stone and commune with the force kind of and what it does is it sends out like a beacon to other Jedi like, hey, you know, um, <laughs> it, it's kind of just like putting it out there that, that, that you're there, you survived and, and seeing if any other Jedi received the call to kind it's of... It's like Jedi up. Tinder. It's... Yeah. It, it, it's lighting. It. It's, uh, yeah. You know, um, what are those big like bonfires lighting the like the, the beacons of Gondor or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beacons of Amod is lit. There you yeah. go. Um, yeah. It's it's basically that to get the attention of Jedi throughout the galaxy. Um, sure. Which sends us into the next episode. Did I? Did I? Did I leave David's favorite part? You want to take it from here? But yeah, so take me, take walk me through the siege on the base or the little, the little the compound. There you go, the compound. Yeah, Michael Bean. Yeah, who I didn't even recognize. Oh, yeah. I didn't recognize him either, but that was a pretty cool cameo. Yeah. As as a lover of all things Johnny Ringo <laughs> and and Terminator, I had no idea that that was Michael Bean. I like that you that you were able to pull Johnny Ringo, but not Cal Reese. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's late. I'm tired. Sorry. So we didn't really mention the the fact that uh, the magistrate, even though she herself is kind of a badass, uh, has a bodyguard as well, like a hired merc gun, and it just so happens to be uh, Michael Bean, which is awesome. Um, like some sort of former military, and he's just a, totally just a paid gun because he doesn't really care. Um, but uh, he and Mando have kind of a cool showdown while Ahsoka goes in to face. Uh, the magistrate, because uh, she wants her information. And while they're having this lightsaber versus uh, Beskar spear duel, uh, she she gets all up in the magistrate's face and is like, you know, tell me where he is. Where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? And once that name got dropped, I think all of our panties got wet. And, <laughs> and it was just like, oh my god, we're gonna see him in live action. It's happening. Um, and yeah, I, I was I was not ready for that. Like like I just like it was just I was like, holy shit! Did they say what I think they just said? And then you know they got a close up on Rosario Dawson's face, who I think looked amazing as Ahsoka. I know people are complaining about her short her short uh, head tails, but I thought she looked great, and I thought she did a fantastic job as Ahsoka. But when she drops that name, I was like, motherfucker, is this happening? Yeah, sure. and then, <laughs> six to midnight. Yeah, it, it's perfect because the the whole like um, epilogue at the end of, of Rebels is like they're going off and they're searching for Ezra and for Grand Admiral Thrawn in the um, 
what, what's that like not the forbidden zone but it's like the, the, the unknown, unknown regions unknown regions thank you yeah um and here we are we see her on that quest to find them because wherever theron is theoretically ezra's there too so maybe she's still on the search for him um you know, you guys get, have you given of, any thought of to who you'd want to play Grand Admiral Thrawn? There's been some pretty cool people suggesting some names, like you know, some some people have said like Tom Hiddleston, and uh, you know, I don't know if he has the gravitas, but I mean, mm-hmm. I would be in for it. I like Mark Strong myself. I think he's I, when we were talking about like the the sequel trilogy when it was first announced, I was like, oh my god, I want Mark Strong to just be in it. I don't care who he is. I just want him to be like this badass Jedi or or Sith that just fucks shit up. So I wouldn't mind if Mark Strong was in Star Wars. I've heard people uh, fan try to fan cast um, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Had, had he not been in Rogue One as Galen Erso, Mads Mikkelsen would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Jason there. Isaacs would be good too. Yeah, he's, he's been thrown around a lot. Yeah, he could definitely do that. He's got that like era of superiority. Yeah. Yeah. Like Lucius Malfoy. <laughs> Exactly. He's just a blue Lucius Malfoy. Yeah. And uh, and it's interesting because, you know, Thrawn's kind of become like the new hotness in the canon right now. Um, you know, he's out of all of the canon books, there's like six on Grand Animal Thrawn now. Like he's he seems to be like the main Imperial that they want to focus on him, Palpatine and, and Vader and Tarkin too. Tarkin's been getting a lot of love in the new canon too, which is amazing. But we're learning a lot more about how the, the Chiss operate in the Unknown Region because the thing with the Unknown Region is it's impossible to map hyperspace routes through. You know, it's not like Dustin crops back homeboy. Uh, and so what what's come out... And you, the, you said Chiss. That is the race that Thrawn is? Correct, yeah. The Grand Animal Thrawn, his race is the Chiss. Chi, chiss without, with an I instead of an E. Uh, and so what we're coming to know is that basically all Chiss are born Force-sensitive, but they kind of grow out of it. So they get better. It's a phase. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. A phase. Um, it's a lifestyle choice. And uh, so what they what what they've done is they like the Jedi started. They, let's the kidnapping is such an ugly word, <laughs> but sure. they, they started borrowing. Call it what it is. <laughs> they started borrowing for sensitive children and using them to help map and uh, and travel through hyperspace and in, uh, in the unknown region. And I'm assuming that's what he's using Ezra for uh, in the unknown regions right now. So. Yeah. That's but fair. I was excited. Yes, uh, that that was probably uh, other than than uh, revealing uh, young Grogu's name. Uh, that's probably the biggest bombshell of the episode. Uh, sure. And uh, that's hopefully something that we're going to explore in the Ahsoka series that I kind of alluded at earlier, but but now it's put into a little bit more context. So uh, hopefully those those two will end up going hand in hand. Yeah, and I we did we did get that. to see um, HK droids. That was something that was yeah. kind of cool too. Sorry, yeah, I, I had to say that before I forgot. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the bodyguard droids that are, that are there they're 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 different. Well, they're not the HK forty seven type models that we saw in Old Republic. I don't remember what what designation number they were, but um, but that was kind of cool. And speaking of droids, when he's walking into the compound at the very beginning of the episode, when Mando's walking in before he meets with the magistrate, they have an eight D eight droid, which was the torture droid from Return of the Jedi from Jabba's yeah. palace. And he's just like walking through the, the, the village, just looking all like cumbersome because they're such awkward looking droids. And I thought that was another great original trilogy nod. Uh, seeing yeah. a familiar I, looking I, droid like that. 
I loved this episode, and after it aired, I put it probably as one of my top three Mandalorian episodes. And then the episode we're about to talk to came on, and this episode was just garbage. When after I saw, like, I was so in love with the tragedy. I mean, there's just it's everything about it was like, like it was like made for us. Like it just felt so satisfying. There were, it, and and not really a lot happens, but there's so much happens. So right. yeah, let, let's let's jump into the next episode, which is uh, chapter fourteen, the tragedy. Which as soon as that title card popped up, and I saw the tragedy as the title, my heart sunk. I'm like, oh no, I'm not emotionally prepared for whatever <laughs> going to happen in this episode. Before we get into the to the meat and potatoes of it. Um, this episode was directed by Robert Rodriguez, and I saw an interview with him earlier this week where he was saying that when he received the script, it was only 19 pages. And for those of you who don't know what that means in, in TV and movie talk, usually one page equals one minute. And you know how frustrated we get when we have like these 30-minute, 33-minute episodes of Mandalorian. We want them all to be like at least 45 minutes so it feels like an hour-long show. Um you know, without commercials, but um, speaking yeah, of commercials, he, it's it's been a while since we talked about the Razorcrest uh, fund crowdfunding thing that uh, that just ended, coincidentally <laughs> recently. Yeah, and and that's the reason we're bringing that up is because it's going to play into it in this episode. So, but 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 we'll get there, um, and 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 I'll tell you also what that means in terms of um, its impact on the Haslab Razorcrest project. But anyway, uh, do I feel like I've talked a lot. Do any of you want to pick up the this episode? No, I've been talking this whole episode. I mean, I'm happy to talk about it because it involves my favorite character. Yeah, go for uh, it. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not going to take away your love for this character. All, all I will say is, the instant I saw his ship, I instantly was eight years old. Yeah. Oh my God. So, <laughs> without any further ado, uh, the episode opens up where they're arriving, and I thought it was going to be a total filler episode because if you look at episode six from season one, that's the prison ship, and that was kind of filler, and and you know that was arguably, I hated that episode. Yeah, that was one, but that was probably my least favorite episode of season one. So I was preparing myself for like, all right, not much is going to happen here, um, but something's going to be cool that'll help lead us up to to episodes seven and eight of the season, which you know if last if season one was a roadmap that kind of teaches us that that's where the real shit goes down but oh my god i was wrong so um they're they're arriving at uh this planet where who's the they Mando <laughs> and and baby grogu are, are uh arriving on this planet where the jedi temple uh the ruins of the jedi temple are and um he's gonna go sit Grogu on the seeing stone and he's going to commune with the Jedi and then magically somebody's going to appear, whisk him away and give him the training he deserves so Mando doesn't have to uh, be a, a, a baby daddy anymore, right? So that that's what his plan is and um, you know, there's nowhere convenient to park the Razor Crest, so he's got to like park it in this big open plane and jetpack over to the uh, to the Seeing Stone, and that's a cool little moment. You get to see Mando and Baby Yoda like having a good time in the jetpack, and what even was the line he used, he was like, "We gotta." Uh, take the, put the top down or something. Yeah, it's like there's nowhere convenient to park, so it looks like we'll have to uh, 
Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to put the top down or something yeah, like that. Like we'll have to go in with the top down or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and, and basically then it just hard cuts right to them just like flying through the air in the jetpack. Uh, but before they even got there, uh, when they're like pulling up to the planet and getting ready to 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 go into the atmosphere, he's just like looking over at Grogu, who's just like sitting there having a good time in the seat, and um, he just like mentions his name, and then he does the the Grogu does the little Anyang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he, he does it again, and because I have the captions on when I watch it, and every time it cut back to Mando, it's like he's chuckling, and it's like that's awesome because as fans, we were all doing the same thing after watching the reaction from the first episode. Like every time, uh, you know, the the child heard his name being spoken, so that was kind of fun that they're even playing with it, like because that they 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 must have anticipated that was going to be the fan reaction. But anyway, right. so Thanks, yeah, Eric. then. Exactly. Every single episode, we've heard that freaking. They're they're trying to make it happen like frack. You know, right. Star Wars didn't have any curse words. Stop so. using fetch. It's never gonna happen. It's never yeah. gonna happen. Voodoo <laughs> was as close as we ever got to any kind of curse word. You know, yeah. blast and blast it. You know, like damn it, and then bantha Pudu. Um, and now we got Dink Ferrick. But anyway, so. Um, so they jetpack over to the seeing stone and first it doesn't look like it's going to do anything. Uh, Grogu's just kind of sitting there all like being adorable and not really <laughs> anything. all of a sudden it just like turns on. He puts his hands down. Like he's like doing this meditation thing and then bam, it's just like this blue light just shines up like the, the freaking Luxor in Las Vegas, just like the light beaming into the sky and like all this power going around it. And all these like ancient glyphs are lighting up on the stone beneath them. And it's creating this impenetrable force field where uh, Mando couldn't touch the baby, even if he wanted to, he could not retrieve him. And that puts him in a really vulnerable position because that's the exact moment when you hear this familiar screech through the sky, Amanda looks up and, oh my God, we see for the very first time in flight since the original trilogy, actually in the original trilogy, I don't even think we ever saw it in flight, but the slave one Boba Fett's ship. And that's the first time we, we get confirmation that, Oh my God, that ship did survive. It was hidden somewhere in, you know, in one of the good parking garages in uh, Tatooine because it was, I think in empire he's flying around with the yeah. garbage. Because right. and, and he leaves Cloud City because they shoot at it as he but, yeah. but this is the first time we see it in atmosphere, I think. Right. Since the, the 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 prequel trilogy, yeah, uh, where we saw yeah, it on flying. Camino, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah oh, no, it. no, 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 it's beyond the outer rim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but but we see it, you know, in a clear blue sky. We just see the, the that iconic outline just streaking across, and it's like, oh my god! First of first and foremost, you get that little squee of excitement that it survived, and then it's like, I know who's in there, and oh shit, it's gonna go down, and. Uh, <clears throat> so now Mando's in a position where I think he realizes whose ship that is. He doesn't really say it, but he knows it's no good. He's like, shit, we got to get out of here now. And he's basically like, pinch it off, pinch it off. Let's get out of here kind of thing. <laughs> and, and, and Grogu was not having it. He was sitting there like completely zoned out in his little uh, force cone. Of and, and it looked like he was having a good time in that cone too like yeah. it looked like he was really like having this sense of enlightenment and and liking what he was feeling and seeing so i'm curious well, what that was i i think um you know the 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 easiest thing to describe it as is it's kind of like a representation of his connection to the force he spent so long in hiding and having shut himself off from the force mm -hmm. uh that you know it, it and we didn't really mention it when we we're talking about the previous episode but but um 
when Ahsoka was was describing what what Grogu had gone through since his training at the Jedi Temple, uh, she was saying that that's when it goes dark. You know, that that's when bad shit happened. So mm-hmm. so even even um, the child himself kind of like shut himself off during that. Presumably, he shut himself off from the Force to prevent himself from being found by the Inquisitors, by Vader, by you know all these people that would want to kill him. And now all of a sudden he is reestablishing that connection and it's like a junkie going back, you know, right. going back to the, <laughs> like, Oh my God, I've been missing this so much. Right. So right. I think and, and conceivably he could be commuting with like people he knows. Yeah. Like that he thought was long dead that like Quinlan Voss, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Mace Windu, maybe. Mace Windu's dead. Well, I fell, I fell out of a window. <laughs> That's what they want you. <laughs> That's why they put bars on windows now because of that. Yeah, you don't want to be Mace Window, do you? <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, this this forces Mando to go like, kind of go head on and like meet him at the pass, so that that uh, whoever is in that ship and we know who's in who's in it, and whether Mando knows or not, he wants them to not get close enough to uh, to. Grogu. So he goes and like meets him halfway and then just like gets annihilated by all this laser fire, which sounds like those big rear cannons on the back of uh, of Slave One, uh, which we saw in use in episode two quite a bit. And he's just like pinned behind this rock and like, oh shit, this is going to happen. And then that's when Boba Fett reveals himself and he's all hooded and he kind of looks like a Jedi and even, even Mando asks, are you a Jedi? <laughs> and um, you know, he, he doesn't get man. Yeah, he, he drops that line, you know, just a simple man trying to wake my way in the galaxy, which it, he changed it up from the way that Jango Fett said it in uh, episode two. Um, one of them says galaxy, one of them says universe. And I, I want to say universe is what Jango said and galaxy is what Boba said, but it's it's the same sentiment. I'm just a simple man trying to wake my way in the universe. Um, but I think that's maybe 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 Boba Fett did say galaxy because they're going to establish a multiverse. I don't know. And not a universe. But anyway, I digress. So we have this great reveal where Boba Fett takes his hood down and we see Tamura Morrison as Boba Fett clearly and not just in some really dark shadowed silhouette kind of thing like we did at the end of the first episode this season. So we know for certain that, holy shit, this guy is for sure Boba Fett. And um, they have a little bit of a discussion and then it's revealed that there's a sharpshooter up on the rock, you know, with the, uh, the, the, sight pointed at the child and uh if anything goes south she's going to pull the trigger and it's revealed that it is fennec shand who's uh ming na wen's character from season one from episode five of of season one uh the tatooine episode where we also got our first hint at boba fett but she survived and boba fett kind of like rescued her she was shot and left for dead in the desert and she's got like these uh like bionic Innards in her abdomen, and it looks just like Luke's hand, like in that scene in Empire when he's, uh, you know, uh, getting his new hand on, and you see like all the little bits and pieces moving inside of it. That's exactly what it looks like is going on in her stomach area. Um, so anyway, she she's alive and basically owes a life debt to Boba Fett. So the two of them are roaming the galaxy, like righting the wrongs of of you know people around, um, and uh, so the two of them are a pair, which is kind of cool, and basically. Boba's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want you. I don't care about the kid. All I want is my armor back. So give me what's mine, and um, you know that kind of leads 
Mando to question him about his background as a as a Mandalorian, whether or not he's worthy of the armor. And Boba Fett's like, look, it was my father's armor. It's been in my family for a long time. It's mine. You're going to give it to me or else. Um, and then they get distracted by the fact that the Imperials start showing up. All of a sudden, these dropships come in, and they're just getting inundated with stormtroopers. And then um, it's kind of like the three of them have to, to band together. So you got Mando, you got Boba Fett, and you got Fennec Shand. And all three of them are like trying to fend off all the Imperials that are just coming to, to try to kidnap Baby Yoda because they know he's there, or Grogu. It's going to take me a while to get used to that. Um, so... Then we, uh, we we see, like, while Mando is getting distracted by all the stormtroopers approaching, we see Boba Fett kind of look over at the Razor Crest, and the doors open, and you don't see it in there, but you get the idea that just on the other side of that doorway is Boba Fett's armor waiting to get reclaimed. So You, you skip the Gaffy Stick Massacre. Yeah, that was fucking badass. I didn't even know what he had in his hand. It looked like a garden tool for all I knew, and he was just chucking plastic off of helmets. It, it was so badass. It's what the sand people yeah. use to to clean the teeth of banthas. Ah, like that's its use. I mean, and they hit people with it, but you know, yeah, it's, it, it, it's what Luke and three PO got hit with in in A New Hope. It's like the the iconic weapon of the sand people, and right. it's what we saw strapped onto Boba Fett's back in that yeah. shot in Tatooine that we saw him in earlier this season. And he's and, using like one hand. He's not even like two handed. He's just like one hand. He's like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. yeah. We, we we get to see Boba Fett be more badass and have more dialogue in this one thirty three minute episode. 19-page script than we did in the entirety of the Star Wars saga, all the films up to this right. point. Josh had compared it. He's like, this, he's like, this is Boba Fett's Darth Vader moment in Rogue One. <laughs> like, yeah, I just we really got to see how badass he really is. Yeah, he's just beating down stormtroopers, and then uh, just like like David was saying, just like crushing face, and just like you see plastic stormtrooper armor just splintering off everywhere. Yeah, it was so he cool, swinging away, just annihilating him with his gaffy stick, and um, you know, and after he's dealt with all the troopers that are around him, that's when he looks over to the Razor Crest and sees, ah, that's where my armor is. So he disappears for a minute while we're seeing the other two fighting off stormtroopers. And we get introduced to this new uh, brand of stormtrooper. He's uh, kind of like how last season we had the incinerator trooper with the red deco painted on his armor and he had the big old flamethrower. This time we get a mortar trooper. He's got yellow deco on his armor and it's basically like um, this little, uh, a mortar. It's basically like a little cannon that just launches a, an exploding projectile and uh, that was kind of cool because we had never seen that from the Empire before and um, so they're kind of like pinned down and, and uh, you know while Boba Fett goes and gets his armor on then he reappears looking like a badass and he is just you know firing shit out of his gauntlets he's firing uh, knee rockets out of his one surviving knee pad that's still there all the shit that we used to look at going in the, in the Star Wars source book like back in the late 80s early 90s going Wow, Boba Fett had all this cool stuff. How come they didn't do anything with it on screen? Well, now they finally fucking did. Um, he was firing missiles out of his jetpack. He was, uh, you know, taking down the the Imperial dropships as they're trying to escape. He was just like taking down fools with every every weapon in his arsenal and it was fucking amazing it was so good it was and, and seeing him with like the, the the black kind of like desert robes that he had been wearing but wearing his armor on top of it um 
it's just so so cool looking it was just such a neat iconic look and i i, I cannot wait until they make an action figure of that version of boba fett because i don't care what the scale is i must own it it is such a neat neat look and uh it was it was like i said it was so cool just seeing him kick ass and have more agency and have more story and on frankly more of an arc in this episode than he did anywhere else in in any of the movies it was so satisfying and then um and I'll, I'll get to my favorite Boba Fett moment at the end. It's not even him being a badass. It's, it's, it's a little bit later in the episode. But um, I, what I didn't mention is earlier in the standoff when uh, before the Imperials came, uh, Boba Fett made Mando take off his jetpack for whatever reason, just a plot device. Um, you know, when they're like disarming, like, okay, everybody put down your guns. Okay, but you also have to put down your jetpack kind of thing because that's when they were going to start working it out. I mention that now because it plays into it because now that they've defeated all the stormtroopers and shot down their ships um, and they're kind of like talking some more on their own, here come these uh dark troopers we we go back up to the to the star destroyer over the the uh over the planet and they release these four dark troopers which are basically like these black droids that are part k2so part like super assassin trooper um and they just like rocket down in iron man style and uh they get down to the rock where grogu is just as he had finished communing with the force and he's all he's all sleepy he's all tired so he just like kind of passes out and they just grab him um like un un uh unmolested they didn't they don't even like mando is nowhere near him for whatever reason he doesn't put his jetpack back on so he can get over there faster it's just like once they see the dark troopers come they all run to the rock for whatever reason and they when they get there it's too late and the dark troopers have already absconded with baby yoda and they're shooting back up to the um to the uh to the star destroyer and uh boba fett and in the meantime while mando was running over to the rock boba fett had gone over to slave one and he actually has these dark troopers in his sights and has the ability to shoot them down but uh he's told not to because they can't hurt the child so he basically follows them and that's where he sees out of the out of the clouds emerges this big it's not even like a full-size star destroyer i think they just call it a cruiser in this episode um but this big imperial cruiser and he's like oh my god they're back and down on the ground they're like who he's like the empire they're back um and meanwhile, we know they never left, but right, he's a uh, man at a time almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been kind of out of things for the last five years since he was uh, living in the sand. But um, they don't have cable so, news out there. <laughs> yeah, so um, amazingly, he gets like really close to the cruiser, and they don't even fire on him um, while the the dark troopers dock and and deliver the payload uh, to Moff Gideon inside and then Boba Fett comes back down to the planet to kind of tell him tell Mando what he saw and everything and where it's cutting back and forth I'm totally giving you guys a, a beat by beat recount here um, well, maybe you skip the most important part no not yet well I'm getting to it it may be slightly out of out of order but anyway so um yeah wait it go, it go boom it go oh yeah 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 Yes, I did totally skip that. The and true, I think the true tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I guess the the thing that really alerted 
uh, Mando and everybody else to the fact that uh, there was a giant Star Destroyer overhead is the fact that uh, there was this like giant thunder crack and then they all look over to the Razor Crest and it just gets annihilated by this giant laser beam from above. And I mean, it is it is not just destroyed, it is practically liquefied. There is like, it doesn't look like there's very many solid chunks left of the ship. You just see it just get completely destroyed. It was hinted at all season that it was getting wrecked and then we finally saw it happen for real. It just got completely obliterated. And just, you know, even though uh, Mando is very unexpressive through that mask, just the shot, the camera angle, and the way it kind of slowly pushes in on his face, you get all the uh, all the emotion you need out of it because it's just like this, this, oh my God. You know, that is like, that is his equivalent of his Millennium Falcon and it just fucking got destroyed. <laughs> um, so... Um, he is without a, a quicker means to get over to where Baby Yoda is. And for whatever reason, I still don't understand, he didn't put on his jetpack to try to get over there when the Dark Troopers were coming. And that was kind of like the diversion that drew everybody's attention over that way while the Dark Troopers were coming down. Um, so, but anyway, um, you know, it, it's... Uh, the end of the episode cuts back and forth between what's going on up at the Star Destroyer with uh, Moff Gideon and child and what's going on down on the ground and uh up in the star destroyer we see that they have uh grogu in this little holding cell and he's got two stormtrooper like guards in there with him but he's like using the force to just bang them around the room like ragdolls <laughs> crack them into each other and and he's just like doing some 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 crazy like exorcist shit going on just like flying around the room and um and Moff Gideon kind of comes in and just laughs at his, you know, display of the force kind of thing. Um, but he can't do it for very long without getting all tuckered out. And then, you know, uh, Grogu just kind of like, he just like tips over and just kind of super tired. And then uh, Moff Gideon pulls out the Darksaber and just ignites it right in front of him saying, ah, you, you know, you've seen something that looks like this before, haven't you? And for whatever reason, it looks like Grogu's like reaching out like he wants to touch it. And he should know better not to touch shit like that. But, <laughs> um, but basically uh we get the idea that okay he, he that that this is you know obviously what they've been after but the reason being that they need more blood out of them so he's like you know send a message to dr pershing the the creepy looking scientist dude with the big yeah. dr mindbender of star wars exactly. yeah we have the asset yeah, yeah. Let, let him know we have the asset kind of thing so we can you know start tapping that blood and that's uh, the guy that mando let live in like the second yeah. epi third episode or whatever that was Okay. One, yeah he's mm -hmm. the one that you know was trying to keep grogu alive and it's like please you know i'm trying to protect him but at right. the same time you know is he though uh, his blood. <laughs> yeah he's a piece so, yeah so um it ends up in the star destroyer when we see uh moff gideon give the order to the stormtroopers to stun uh to shoot and stun uh the child and then put little little baby shackles on him <laughs> so it, we, it ends on the shot pulling out of of uh of the child like laying on the side it's like stunned out of consciousness and wearing these little glowing shackles um but it's like i said it's cut back and forth with, with what's going on on the ground so that's how it ends up in the up in the sky down on the ground uh boba fett returns he's landed and he's wearing the full armor and this is like their first moment to kind of breathe and he's like hey hey mando come here you asshole i got something i want to show you and he uh like pulls up this whole holographic display on his gauntlet and it shows like the chain of lineage like the chain code showing 
who that armor belonged to and kind of like a little Wikipedia history about them. And people have taken the time. It's like a, a, six seconds shot in the in the show but people have taken the time to take all the the glyphs and actually translate them out and it's talking about um uh it foundling um and it mentions the concord dawn and it talks about uh the mentor was it it, it runs out of letters but it's it says like jast which is like short for jaster Mareel, which is the the mentor of of Django Fett, and said like Father Django, and then said like Boba Fett on the end. So it's like basically like, hey, just proving this is mine. Here, here's the VIN number. Here's my registration. Right. You know, it's like when you account. open up a bank account, you got to show two forms of ID. Yeah. So so um, so Mando's like, okay, yes, this armor belongs with you then, um, and. Uh, Basically, the, like Mando's about ready to like part ways. He like doesn't know what he's gonna do, but he's like, "All right, well, you know, thanks, we tried." And then Boba Fett's like, "No, no, no. We said we were gonna help protect the child as part of the deal to to give uh, Boba Fett his armor back. Like, uh, look, we're not gonna let anything happen to the kid as long as I get my armor back. I didn't mention that part earlier, but it's important. So here you go now. But um, so <laughs> so." so, so so like the Tarantino of uh, recaps. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at this shit. I don't know why you got to make him do it. But, the body uh, situation. Yeah. So, um, so Boba Fett's like, no, 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 we're, we're we're not done here because you know we didn't hold up we didn't hold up our end of the bargain. We didn't we didn't protect the child. So we are in your service uh, until you get the kid back, um, which. To me, this is what I was leading up to is my favorite Boba Fett moment because this portrays him as a noble and, um, you know, uh, a good person and not just a gun for hire with questionable morals. You know, if he gives his oath, he's going to stick to it. Um, and that was something that was always kind of up in the air for me about the Boba Fett character. I liked the fact that he had some questionable morals and his and an even more questionable background, but the fact that that he uh, has a sense of right and wrong, and um, you know, fulfilling fulfilling an oath or a, a, a life debt kind of thing, um, all of that tells me that you know what they're really in a good way redeeming this character and making him something that is justified for all these fanboys to have been obsessed with them for all these years. Right. Uh, so uh, then at that point, they, they all fly off together in Slave One, which is the only remaining ship on the planet since, uh, since the Razor Crest is annihilated. And Mando's over there standing by the smoking wreckage, like this giant crater. The only thing that survived is the, 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 the knob here. It was the, yeah, the spear survived that he got in the previous episode and the little knob that uh, that Grogu likes to play with. And that was in his pocket, though, already, right? Like, it wasn't like he, it, was it, wasn't, on... it was on the ground. He pulled it oh, out. Oh, was it? He fall... oh, yeah, I didn't remember that. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was still in his pocket. Yeah. But that would he... be cool to give it back to him at some point in, this, exactly. in the series. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because it's the only surviving part of the ship, and it's, it's you know, his favorite part of the ship. Even in the previous episode, in um, the, the Jedi episode, uh, they're trying to leave the ship on this, you know, forest planet, and, and Grogu has the little ball in his hand. And Mando's like, "No, what did I tell you? This stays with the <laughs> ship." And he tucks it into his belt so that it doesn't get lost. Well, the same thing. Like after he finds it in the the smoking wreckage of of the Razor Crest, he takes it, kind of sighs, and you know, you get this little emotional moment. And then he just tucks it in his belt in the same place that he did in the previous episode. And you know, you know, when he's reunited with Grogu, he's going to give him back the ball. So is he going to have to have a a battle with um, 
What's the bad guy's name? Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon, Gideon yeah. yeah. Is he going to be using the spear and Gideon's going to be using his dark saber? Is that um, going to happen? I, I suspect that's going to be the way that they're going to go, but they've also hinted at the idea that there could be a Jedi coming. You know, maybe a Jedi is coming and, and answering the call of Grogu. Maybe uh, Ahsoka comes to her senses and realizes, look, I can't let these two go out on their own. And maybe I need to kind of help protect them a little bit because they don't know what they're getting themselves into. Sure. And she'll show back up. But the show wasn't quite done yet because even though it was just a brisk 33 minutes, they did have time to make one more jump over to back to Navarro. Uh, and that's the planet where uh, Cara Dune is the the marshal, and uh, Grief Karga is the the magistrate over there. Uh, they they really cleaned up that town from episode from season one, and uh, so they go back over there because for whatever reason, uh, Mando has it in his head that he needs to get uh, that Miggs Mayfield character from episode six of last season in the prison ship, uh, played by Bill Burr. Um, he has to get that character because for whatever reason he has the ability to like spring people out of an Imperial Star Destroyer. So they need to break him out of a new Republic jail so that they can put him on the crew to help him get into a Star Destroyer and find the child. So he goes to, to Cara Dune, who is now a newly like uh, appointed marshal of the, of the new Republic. That's that little metal thing that she got in the the last not last episode but two episodes ago the 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 one rebel pilot came and gave her like this medallion and nobody really knew what it meant well she was right. like deputized, deputized by the uh by the republic means so, you're in charge <laughs> yeah which also means she has new rules that she has to follow and because she's a good shoulder soldier she's going to follow those rules so when when uh, Mando shows up and says, "Hey, I need to bust this guy out of jail and get him on my crew so that we can, you know, go do this thing," she's <laughs> like, "Ah, I don't play by that. You know, I don't I don't do that shit anymore. I'm on, right. you know." But then he, once he mentions that uh, that the child was was taken, was kidnapped, and the Imperials have him, that was all it took for her to like, "Oh shit, this is for real." Okay, so so he's putting the band together in probably tonight's episode, and uh, then shit's gonna go down at the end of this episode and, and all episode eight. So how big so, do you think the band gets? Do you think he gets Bo-Katan and the Owls? Do you think he gets Ahsoka? I, 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 he doesn't get all the Owls because uh, Sasha Banks says she was only in one episode, um, uh, uh, which could be a misdirect, but on social media she just admitted to being only in one. So maybe it would be Bo-Katan by herself. We, I, I definitely expect to see Ahsoka again. I don't expect that to be a one and done. Um, it would be cool if they dropped some mysterious Jedi on us, but I really don't know how they're going to be able to do that. Why don't they just use the the Rogue One technology like they did for Leia and just fucking Luke Skywalker shows up and just mows that asshole down in two seconds? If you talk about the the ability or the the the, the, the remaining Jedi that are left. Um, Luke is obviously the biggest one and a lot of people are saying yeah you could get because everybody loves the idea of Sebastian Stan playing a young Luke because they kind of look similar and Mark and Hamill did, signed off on it too Mark Hamill's like oh. yeah so I mean if they have Mark Hamill doing the voice and they kind of like DH his voice a little bit and then you get Sebastian Stan a little bit you know um, you know, made up to, to resemble Luke a little bit. I could easily see that happening but they're also talking about um, all the names that we mentioned earlier like Quinlan Boss, Ezra uh, could come out of nowhere. Um, uh, Cal Kestis from the Fallen Order games. Oh yeah, yeah. Out there, I got uh, him pretty powerful. I'm not gonna lie; he could fuck shit up. <laughs> <laughs> I just started playing that game, so I'm stoked about it. But um, 
but anyway, there, there's and, and then Mace Windu, of course. There, there's a handful of Jedi that could theoretically come back and pull this thing off. So um, it could be I like uh, how you said Mace Windu, and then a handful. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, there, there, there's there's possibilities, um, sure. and I really have no idea where it's going to go. And we only have two episodes to figure it out. So uh, we we are the clock is striking midnight, and I'm getting ready to turn into a pumpkin. So sure, I think. Maybe. Uh, Dave, do you have anything to add really quick before Randy freaks out? Yeah, just real quick, I want to ask you guys one question. Do you think that the Man- Mando gets Grogu back in his possession by the end of the last episode of the season, or do you think we end on a they bust in, they think they're a Moff Gideon's place, and it's like a hologram, and he's like, fuck you guys! Right. I wouldn't be surprised if it's an Empire Strikes Back kind of moment where we are left uh, in between seasons you know, hoping for and, and longing for a, a a reunion. It's like congratulations, but your princess is in another castle, kind of thing. Yeah. So I made that same analogy when I was talking to somebody. Maybe it was you. I don't know. I think it was me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I also like that they they canonized that Jango Fett. At least Jango Fett was a Mandalorian. And implied that Boba Fett was also a Mandalorian. Right, talking about having fought in the Mandalorian Civil Wars. Um, yeah, and, and really, like, anybody who was like, yeah, but Boba and Jango aren't real Mandalorians, it, it kind of put that to rest because, according to the canon, they are. Yeah. And we're, we're going to take it as such. Sure. Very excited. I know that Randy's chomping at the bit to get ready to watch his new episode of Mandalorian, so we will let this one go. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you had a blast. There's a lot to look forward to when it comes to Star Wars and MCU and John Stamos. So um, be sure to subscribe to Disney Plus if you haven't already. The stuff's coming quick. January 15th, I think, is when WandaVision comes out. And, of course, you'll want to catch up on Mandalorian if you haven't done so already. Remember to check out the other podcasts that we have on our little network. Of course, there is the Pixelated Podcast, hosted by Stephen K. James, where he talks about the video games. And then we also have Don't Be Crazy, where Zach and I argue over what makes a movie amazing. It's been a lot of fun. We just did Clueless this week, so I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, that drops on Monday, so look forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, remember to follow us on social media at Geek Legacy, at Snacky Cakes, at Randy Van Dyke, and at GRMO. Hope you have a fabulous week. Wear your mask, stay healthy, be safe, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. <laughs>